everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. A whole new week and a whole new show full of ideas, tools to help you live longer, love stronger, and lead the ones you're with. That's the goal of the show, is to help you find the good life. Actually, make up your own good life. Hmm. Welcome to the program. Monday morning. Everybody's everybody made it, and almost everybody seems happy, normal. Almost everyone. Almost. Not everybody. James, are you still engaged? Yes, still engaged. Terry, are you still enraged? Usually. <laughs> engaged and enraged. More, more just aggressively present. <laughs> You're so aggressively present. It's going to be a good show. We, um, we're going to be talking about politics. We always like to do a little a political review, you know, after Sunday, after they beat everybody up on Sunday. We like to, you know, now that they're all immobile and down, we like to take a jab or two. Then we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show, hour number two, we're going to get into um, these guys invented a super speedy. They're college students, engineers. A, a wheelchair, a power wheelchair for tiny kids that's like super souped up. Turbo, turbo chair. And then we're going to also get into third hour. What do you do when you're down? You know, how do you pick yourself up? How do you get pumped up after you've been deflated? Hmm. None of us have ever had that problem. It, that, that, that one's interesting because it's kind of the idea of good things happen in your life. Yeah. And it's good for a while, and then it drops. Yeah. You know, the the example of a car or a house or something new where you it's an event in your life, and you have this emotional high, and then it falls off, and then how do you deal with the, the drop? It's, we were at my – see, that's life, right? We were at my in-laws yes. last night, and uh, one of their friends, he's a 71-year-old man, almost had a uh, – he had a blood clot in his leg, you know, which could turn into a pulmonary embolism, which could kill you or whatever. So – and my father-in-law's a doctor. So he was coming over and, and I was talking to his wife outside. I'm like, yeah, you maybe just ought to have him come check – have my father-in-law check him again because she was all worried because it doesn't seem to be healing very quickly. And um, just have him come check him. So he walked over about 8 o'clock and he was wearing basketball shorts and a um, – a, oh, an overcoat with no shirt, no shoes. Whoa. And he, he just walked in like a flasher. All right. And just took his coat off. <laughs> I think I think he was just being trying to show he was still ripped. He's in great shape. But um and then, you know, I think it's you have to deal with your you know, fact that you're aging. And he ended up starting to try to arm wrestle with everybody to show his virility. It's what you do. It was really cool actually. Yeah. But um I, I'm sitting there thinking life is up, then you're down. So you're doing really great. You're in great shape for a 71 year old. Then, up oh, then all of a sudden you almost get, you know, you get a blood clot. Then you're down. Then you got to get back up, and then you got to get back down. How do you deal with it? We'll talk about that later in the show. Speaking of ups and downs, uh, what is going on in this world? 
There's some serious junk. Yeah. the uh, There's a migrant crisis going on in the Mediterranean. I mean, that's just tragic. People are trying to get out of uh, northern Africa, Libya, that mm-hmm. sort of area. I mean, and they're all drawn to Italy right they're, there. They're trying they're to go to Italy, to trying to get to Europe. Yeah. Just trying to get to a better place because where they're leaving, there's no jobs, there's no food, there's people trying to kill other people, and they're trying to get their kids out of the crossfire. Well, there's and- ISIS. There's shaking the elements. cage in yeah. Libya and in Syria. and mm. So pe- people that are just normal, everyday people trying to get out of the bad situation are jumping on these these boats to be smuggled across the Mediterranean into oh. Europe. The problem is these boats are, in many cases, they're not seaworthy. And they just overload the boats because the smugglers are just taking the money and throwing yeah. people on. Get and these boats are capsizing and sinking in the oh, Mediterranean. Man. Yesterday... Um, a boat capsized. They're not sure how many people on it. Anywhere from 500 to 900, if you you believe Seriously. all the different reports that are out. They're recovering bodies, and that, I mean, so just a horrible situation. The problem is Europe doesn't know what to do because they have to take responsibility for whoever they pick up. Yeah, and they don't know what to do with the people because you can't send them back because the areas they came from aren't places you want to go to. Well, and I just so. heard that the the United States, believe it or not, we're really good at. Like bringing these people aboard in a way, like yeah. once they're in, we we, we, we handle them. We, Europe doesn't handle it very well. They don't assimilate them very well. Not so much. I don't know if it's stopped or, or slowed at all. But we have people coming from Cuba, yeah, across towards Florida. Yeah, if they make it to dry land, so then they, they stay in the U.S. If, if they hit the sand, yeah. If they're literally if they're in the water, they go back to Cuba. We can ship them back to Cuba. They just have to. That's hard. What do you but do? in in Europe, you can't ship them back to Libya right now. No. There's there's just too much unrest to send them back. So um, last week, a boat with 400 people capsized. They, the number, again, they're guessing on the number there. 400 dead. Anywhere from 500 to 900 yesterday. There was word of another boat capsizing this morning. I'll see if there's any more information on that. Oh, but man. they're meeting in Luxembourg today. The EU minister is trying to figure out how they're going to get their uh, minds and hands, I guess, around this situation and try to uh, help these people. Unbelievable. Man, figure out alive. what the responsibilities are there. So, Well, again, so sit there and you ought to be feeling pretty blessed to not have to run to a boat to get out of the, your country. And then a boat that won't hold water. Well, it was also the the people, some of the things I was reading this morning said they were locked in the hold. Oh. And they saw a boat in the distance. And so people rushed to one side of the boat, everyone trying to wave, and it tipped over. Man, they alive. imbalanced the boat and tipped it over. So <sighs> Tragic. So there's that. Lindsey Graham, Senator of South Carolina, mm-hmm. says his decision on whether he'll run for president depends on whether he can raise enough money. But he says there's a 91% chance. Wow. 91% chance. 91%. Well, I mean, I guess you just have to you just have to raise enough to get in the race. Yes. Cuz then you got to start knocking people off. Then it seems like there'll be more money because those donors that were supporting those other candidates will move their money around. Huh. So hey, yeah. That that's interesting. Um 91%. I mean, I wonder what brought it up the one. I mean, not why not 89%. Right. Interesting. <laughs> he seems to have some number system worked out. Last week, the uh, letter carrier, the postal worker from Florida, yeah, who oh, flew yeah. his auto gyro, auto gyro, as everyone's calling it, Roger, a gyrocopter, yeah. flew it to the Capitol building to yeah. protest. Uh, what was he calling that? 
was, it was finance uh, uh, reform. campaign finance campaign, reform. Yeah. That's how that goes. He was. Uh, so he's 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 uh, mad about that. He's mad now because What's, his letters did. He, he had five hundred and thirty five letters. He wanted to deliver oh, to yeah, all the members yeah, well, of Congress. That was the purpose. That didn't get delivered. Oh, he didn't. Yeah, he you is, know, he landed the hell. He landed the craft, and then they just took. They you confiscated know, everything. Well, maybe what he should have done was um, mailed it, it, it mailed the letters. <laughs> he works for the post office. Yeah. The uh, the other problem is his message is completely lost because they got caught up in the lack of security yeah. Yeah. rather than. Campaign finance reform. Well, somebody made a really interesting point about that whole thing. That if, because he was a 60 year old, 61 year old or something, wasn't he? White male. 61 year old, yes. If he had been a 61 year old black Muslim, you know, yeah. with a hood or a mm-hmm. scarf or whatever, um, dead. Yeah. Shot dead. The cop wouldn't have I mean, calmly walked up and told him to put his hands up. Right, yeah, so it would profiling. Have been different, yeah. Still apparently live and well in D.C. Right? So he is in Florida awaiting prosecution on charges of violating national airspace and operating an unregistered aircraft. He said his house arrest begins today, and he will wear an ankle monitoring bracelet until a May 8th court hearing in Washington. His court hearing's on my birthday. What a great day to go to court. So, really? Celebrating court. On your birthday. On the birthday. And on a lighter note. Yes. Two men in Tulsa, Oklahoma, hospitalized Friday after stabbing each other in a fight over the superiority of iPhones versus the Android operating system. Oh wow, it doesn't even seem like a fight. Going and and not not surprised. <laughs> this happened at 1 a.m. Both had been drinking. No, just I don't they know were, if that's apparent, but they were drinking, and it led to a fight over something as insignificant as your cell phone. As your cell phone. Interesting. And and they what was it? It was they were cut. Because what you do is you take your bottle that you're drinking yeah, from. You break it. You break it, and then you go yeah, stab each other Like a with couple it. of, you know, yeah. bar fighters. It's, from it's the... Roadhouse, basically. <laughs> Prepare. That's the, the funny thing is, is now there's so many plastic bottles that yeah. it's going to get rid of a really good old, you know. Because that, that was the indicator we're going to have a bar fight is when you break your bottle. You break your bottle, it's on. And then all of a sudden you're armed with, yeah. Now you'll just have a little plastic. <laughs> Now it's over phones. Are recyclable. So. Well, interesting. Wow. Okay. We got a lot of news. We got a lot of news. Hey, but uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, is going to be joining us. We like to have him on. Uh, he's got some just great insight into the political world. Uh, he's run for Senate before. He's been the editor of the Deseret News and uh, is the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation. He hangs out with a lot of these people. He's going to give us some insider information. No, he won't. But just, uh, I don't want to make it sound like he's going to, you know, tell us the secrets. But he knows what's going on. Talking politics. Up with Joe Cannon. Next, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, on Mondays, we like to uh, do a quick review of the political scene and the political world. And we bring in our Washington insider, who still argues that he's not really an insider. Even though he's more insider than any of us. Our Washington insider is Joe Cannon, who was chairman of the Utah Republican Party uh, 2002 to 2006. He's currently the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation 
which you can find at fuelfreedom.org. They're fighting the great battle to uh, decrease fuel costs for, um, I believe, North Americans, um, or maybe the world. We'll have to ask him. He was also a candidate uh, for the U.S. Senate way back in the day in 1992. He's served as an assistant administrator of the U.S. EPA um, under, uh, I believe, the Reagan administration and was also the editor of the Deseret News. Uh, Joe Cannon's his name. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. Great having you. Um, Okay. Hillary Clinton... Everybody was laughing on the – not laughing. That sounds rude. Everybody was kind of commenting about how Hillary had a really bad week because the week was about her van, her Chipotle stop, her staged Iowa family meeting stuff. What, what do you, what's your take on that? Is, is, it seems like you know any press is good press when you're running for president. <laughs> well um... – you know, Hillary has uh, a kind of a problem, and uh, it's, it's, it's basically this. She already has a 100% name ID. Right. So she actually doesn't need any press. So <laughs> That's true. In huh? her case, it may be that not all press is good press. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're, if you're Rand Paul and, you know, less than really 20, 25% of the people can really identify who you are. And, and most of them think that you're here, your, your father, uh, his father, right. then, you know, you, you need all the press you could get. So, uh, so that's just one, one statement is this, that she probably doesn't need much press or her aim was to be low profile. Um, however, we have to be also careful about one thing. When you say everyone's talking about it, it's, it's true that, Every one of a very small kind of people yeah. are talking about it, i.e., people who even know that there's an election. Yeah, in the press, right, and care about it. Right. So I'm not sure whatever happened to Hillary last week is going to have any measurable effect no. on her uh, her ultimate chances. He's, obviously, she's going to get the nomination, and. Uh, you know, most of the people who are the vast, vast percentage of people who are going to vote in 2016 are only at best marginally aware that there's an election coming up. Yeah. No, I think and, and I think, too, the idea that this is already what a year, what is a year and a half away or more. Holy cow. What a nightmare. This is going to go on so for no, a year is, and a half. It is, less, it is less than a year away from the Iowa caucus. With people OK, right. Start. That's when it'll get real. They do start, you know, heading Ugh. forward. Then, yeah. Hey, what did you think? I'm dying to hear what a press man thinks about that video of the press running after the Scooby-Doo van. What, what you know, went through Joe Cannon's mind, an editor of a of a big newspaper? What? A past editor. What's going through your head when you see the press doing that? Yeah, it was really embarrassing at two different levels, embarrassing and frustrating. So first of all, she starts out so kind of embarrassing from not embarrassing, but from the the Hillary campaign standpoint. You know, they didn't even tell her when and where she was going to start, which is pretty right. normal to have a have a have the what's called the press gaggle there. But I was a little bit more embarrassed for the press itself. I mean, running after oh. uh, it, it just looked funny. It actually it looked like they were running away from something at first. When I first saw the video, I thought. Oh, what happened? I, I wonder, you know. Yeah, a plane must have crashed. They're, they're <laughs> running towards. 
something, and then and what were they running towards? Someone who was trying to get away from them. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It seems like a bad way. I mean, you don't want to, of all things, don't embarrass the press. I mean, I guess Rand Paul would love to embarrass the press. I guess some of the Republicans uh-huh. might, but it, she already seems to have a little bit of tension between her and the press. And then all of a right, sudden, uh, she's humiliated all of them. They're, it's going to get weird. Yeah, no, it was a it was a really awkward uh, thing to watch. Oh. Just there to watch. It really, I mean, it really was. Is it? Do we have we turned these people? It's almost like you know the Beatles, the rock star kind of persona, the image. Have we? Has it changed? Well, okay. Um, uh, Hillary is unique in this regard. They would not have been running after any of the Republican <laughs> Kasich, yeah, or somebody have, else, right? Uh, or or even or even Martin O'Malley. I mean, I'm making a partisan thing out of yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, no, she she has some unique status. It's kind of, in a way, she's given a path for a lot of things. But in another way, you know, because of her famous uh, uh, hostility to the press, not not sure she's going to get the free pass that some people in her celebrity status get. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and and indeed, a, a good amount of the press. Uh, uh, thought that was ridiculous. The mm-hmm. people running after it, and I, I, I watched was watching MSNBC, the MSNBC account of this, which is, you know, and, and it's going to be likely more pro Hillary than right. the other candidates. Uh, and they were remarking like how silly it was that the press is all running. Yeah, and and the, it's and I guess it's got to be. Um... I mean, we sit here, and a lot of the Republicans, I guess, are in New Hampshire now. And but what I, what I see is this interesting contrast, where I guess it's good in a way because they can all beat up on Hillary, which they're doing, which is I think why Chipotle and all the jokes about her baggage and um, you know Ted Cruz said she's going to need two airplanes, one airplane for herself and the other for all of her baggage. But is is there anyone that you see in the Republican Party? Well, by the way, and we need to also get into Marco Rubio's announcement. He's in the game. Um, right. do, do you see anybody that can coalesce this party? There's It's such an interesting group because we have evangelicals. We have the libertarian kind of wing, establishment, tea partiers. Is is there anyone that you think can bring it all together or is this just going to have to be We everybody just kind of agrees to have one of them? Well – the Republican Party is legendary for being uh, many different factions, although usually broken into two big factions, i.e. sort of the the social conservative side of things and then the sort of economic conservative side of things. So you've got two big factions. Uh, I, I think, uh, I, well, the answer is I don't know, yeah. but... I do, I do sense this, and I've heard a number of Republican insiders, actual insiders, not like me, talk about how um, it's really important this time to win. So there's a huge, enormous desire to win. And I don't know if I quoted this on this on your show last week, but I, I heard the, uh, the Republican chairman of South Carolina say a couple of weeks ago, uh, everybody in my state, which is a very conservative state, kind of yeah. emblematic of lots of the tension in the party, though, because you have sort of establishment Republicans who win there, and you've had Tea Party 
people who won there. Right. Uh, but he said, look, the, all of our delegates in South Carolina, they want the most conservative Republican who could win. Very big emphasis on the who could win. Yeah. And I'm not sure anyone has made the case that they're that person yet. Uh, Jeb Bush, the one thing he has, who, who I'm a very big fan of, but Jeb Bush did not do what his brother did and what Hillary just did, and that is, you know, by announcing, you know, clear out every clear out the way. Hmm. Uh, the the waters have not parted for Jeb Bush. He's no. Been, uh, he's a serious uh, uh, candidate then, and, you know, kind of jumping ahead to Rubio's campaign. he got a guy in his own state. Yeah. You know, he could be Rubio's father, practically, and in, in, in a certain political sense. He was. was. Yeah, he was. Uh, the uh, a guy now running against him, not completely unafraid, and managed to raise you know several million dollars over ten, maybe even more by now. I didn't have to see the latest number, but it's more than ten. And uh, I saw at least one poll last week saying that they were they were running even among Republicans in Florida. So so uh, wow, I guess my point there is Jeb is not blown away everybody yeah and therefore the contest is even even more interesting and not everybody's in we you know we've obviously got the three i'm gonna call them the three junior senators in (laughs) but we don't have um a lot of other people including jeb bush himself that's right well in fact it's funny let's just call the three junior senators uh according to barack obama the jv um oh but he was talking about terrorists then um it's but it's interesting. In fact, it's, oh, we got to take a break. But let's come back. I want to talk about a little bit just about the Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio. You alluded to that that you know he was his political godfather in a way in in Florida, and it was pretty. I mean, they were tight. They're still tight, but it sounds like they're they're going at it a little bit. And I just want to know if that's politics as usual. Also, want to find out. You know, Kasich says he may get in from Ohio, governor from Ohio. He's waiting for a sign from God. Um, just a signal, some prompting, I guess, some sign. He's, he's basically saying, I just need to know it's right. And, and um, I want to talk about that as well. We're going to come back, continue our political discussion with our Washington insider, Joe Cannon. Politics, my friend, tons of information we're trying to, to get through, helping you find the tools you need to live a healthier, happier life, hopefully to make a, a better decision on leadership as well. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're doing our little review in politics. I mean, a lot of people just hate politics. And uh, for me, it's pretty fun. It's uh, it's a little bit of a hobby. Not very good at it. But it's to me, I find it interesting. And I'm, I love to learn about leadership. And I think we need to hold our, account, our leaders much more accountable to actually lead. So we like to pick the brain of somebody that's in the know, even though he'll argue he's not. Joe Cannon is joining us. He is the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation. You can go to that website, fuelfreedom.org. He is also, uh, he's, he's just been in the know. He's run for office before as a senator. He was also a Deseret News um, editor 
So we like to ask his insight as well on what's going on in the press and the media. So Joe Cannon, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks, Matt. Hey, I, I, I alluded to something earlier about fuelfreedom.org. You are, as as CEO of that organization, you guys are battling to lower fuel costs in North America, worldwide. What's your goal there? Well, you know, primarily the United States, but uh, we are working with people in China and in Israel uh, and other places who are looking to do the same thing. Mm. So. Okay, yeah, sort of a, a you know loose alliance with with several people, but main thing is if something happens in the United States, uh, there will be a lot of spillover effects in other countries because we still are pretty significant in the in the car making business here in the, in the country. Right, right. Well, and I, I think that's good. We need somebody fighting for us there, for heaven's sakes. Hey, uh, let's go back to politics for a second. Marco Rubio, um, what's to me as as not a, I'm not you know I'm not an old timer and I'm not a millennial. I'm kind of in between. Um, to me, he seems like a really interesting candidate. He's young. Got, he has a ton of energy. He's he you know he's got a lot of ideas. He's uh, he has some diversity that he can talk about. He's got a great storyline. How do you see that he plays and his, you know, his his game? How's he doing? Well, so far he's having a terrific start. I mean, uh, all all the commentators, uh, actually, even left and right, are are saying, yeah, he's uh, he's clearly having a fun time. He's very comfortable with himself. Uh, he's he's a very likable guy. He's way yeah. high in the likability index, and that's a really really important factor. So. I think he's he's starting out, you know, really well, and, and probably kind of more likely than his two Senate colleagues. But you know, it's a long time before the first uh, yeah. primary. But you know, he's he's energetic. He is young. Uh, you know, I keep thinking, wow, he's way too young to be president. <laughs> right. But I have I'm in the older generation. I'm still I'm a baby boomer. <laughs> uh, but then I remember John F. Kennedy. And actually, Rubio has many similarities to him in terms yeah. of demeanor and uh, kind of a you know sort of an infectious persona that pe- people just just like him. And uh, so he, I, I think he's you know a strong a strong possibility. I am still yeah. personally of the view that it's going to be tough for a young senator, senator right. to become president, but. Uh, uh, of course, all three of them make points that they are more qualified than the current uh, two-year senator who's who's president. Of the right. Well, I mean, so. and that, I think that's it. And again, we may not be like you were saying earlier. A very small portion of people are even following politics, really. So maybe to the rest of the world, it doesn't matter as long as they just you know they make good images. <laughs> Well, well, but I, w- I would just say one thing. As, um, uh, it, it's true, a very small number of people are watching that. That and for Hillary, that doesn't matter mm. because everyone who knows her is going to know her. But if you're Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz or even Jeb Bush, who's right. got his own ID problem, he doesn't have a name ID problem, but he's got a hey, why am I different from my brother and father problem? But for for the, all the Republicans, even including Bush. Uh, the inside game is everything right now. In, in fact, it's almost the inverse. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world thinks. The rest of the people aren't really following this. 
but it matters a lot what the funders think, what yeah. the party activists think, what the apparatchiks think, because they have to win that in order to get up the plate at all. Interesting, so, yeah. So on the Republican side, the inside game really is everything right now. It, it's interesting because they, they do. They need to convince those in the know – um, and also without overextending to stay moderate or to stay balanced enough that they can win the primary. Um, and then they'll probably start getting crazy to, to be able to move toward, I guess, the more moderate center. I don't know. Is, um, what do you think of John Kasich? It looks like he's, he's waiting just for, I guess, confirmation. Yeah, you know, it's surprising. I, I've heard of, I've heard that statement that you're talking about. Uh, he doesn't strike me as a particularly I know that, religious guy. He's, uh, he, I mean, I'm sure he is religious. Yeah. But Maybe, was he, he just playing to the party? Was he playing to the conservatives? Was he? Well, he, you know, who knows what everything was in his mind. Uh, he's like almost everybody who gets to that level, pretty, pretty calculating. But having said all that, I would just say I think Kasich has the possibility of being the strongest or one of the strongest candidates. Yeah. He does have it, have it all. He, he was in Congress. He was the budget guy. He's been governor of a very a, a big state just in general, but a politically crucial state uh, to, to the Republicans. And he won very comfortably there. He's, uh, he's uh, pretty popular. And yeah, I'm going to say, I, mean, I think I may have said this before in the show, uh, a Kasich Rubio mm. ticket would be extremely hard to beat. Oh, I think I agree. I think that would be. And, and what's interesting? So, so help me with this, because in a general election, isn't the, the real voters aren't the youth? So, going after the youth vote is probably. I mean, aren't the real voters the baby boomers? They're going to be the sen- the seniors and the baby boomers, right? So. Um, each party has its own, you know, traditional constituencies. And the whole issue, there, there are two issues. One is how do you get people who regard themselves as independents, which really means people who haven't, uh, uh, you know, committed, uh, committed to themselves yet. Right. But, but the other thing is how do you turn out your base? And that's really important. So you're right. Young people, uh, they have their larger percentage, but a smaller percentage of the vote. On the other hand, they're absolutely critical for Democrats to turn out the young people to vote for them because oh, if they fail in that and some of the other demographic subgroups, they, they can't win. And same with the Republicans. So what a Rubio does, yeah, is the Republican Party ever going to win the 18 to 30-year-old vote? No, Mm-mm. but it depends on how badly they lose it. Oh, uh, yeah. Whether they could be successful or not. So if they can eat, if they can carve out a chunk of that from the Democratic side, they can win. Just like if the Democrats can carve out a significant chunk of single or not single of married women who tend to overwhelmingly vote Republican, if they can if they can cut away into that, then the, the Republicans have a hard time winning. So it's a lot of this is about. Uh, Taking away a little bit of the other side's yeah, that's right. That's what you t- vote. That's right. That's what you taught us. Is we gotta we gotta you know chew away at the opponent, not as much as just grow your base. 
Um, talk about – I guess that's interesting because if Hillary Clinton is the nominee of the Democratic Party, then there's going to be this issue of the first female president of the United States, which seems like that would be something that could draw the youth in. It could draw the women, the mothers uh, that might normally go to the Republican Party. I mean it would be an interesting little battle. Oh, that, no, that's clearly uh, exhibit A of, of her – Capacity as a candidate. I mean, there's there's no question that 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 would be a very big fact. But she also has to contend with whether she can can galvanize yeah. the left edge of her base the way that President Obama did. Yeah, and, to get and, them out, uh, huh? to get them active yeah. and and fighting for. Her. Yeah, interesting and donating, I guess, too for. Um, so talk a little bit with us about uh, – Jeb Bush made a comment that basically says – he said, I think that presidents have the right to pick their team. And the, in, in reference to Loretta Lynch who and her delayed attorney general nomination uh, to replace Holder um, and basically I think the Republicans have been you know, slow balling that one and, and slowly taking that to, you know, to a vote – um, do you think the Republicans just ought to give up on that and let her in? I mean, she's quality. Just let the president choose his team. Get out of the way. Well, in general, that's true. The president should choose his team, and most Republicans and most Democrats actually agree with that, except when they don't. So, <laughs> you know, uh, the the almost all these uh, battles that revolve around an individual are about something else besides that individual. I mean, in a normal circumstance, Loretta Lynch would have been confirmed a long time ago. Right. But when you've got a president who is acting as strongly as he is within the executive executive branch and doing things that the Republicans don't like, they don't have too many tools in their toolkit to fight against him. So I, I, this wasn't even about Lynch at all. Yeah. It was about a, a, an anti- uh, trafficking sex slave legislation that was going through, and there was a big debate about whether funds could be used for abortions or not, and language in there, and it was all it was all about that fight. Oh, wow. I think that's all been resolved, and I think what I heard over over the weekend is she's actually going to get voted on this week. Okay. So whether she wins or not, that's a different story. Yeah, that, but, yeah. Uh, but but she is going to get a vote this week, and and people seem to think. That she has enough Republicans that she will win. Hmm. Does um, I mean that boy? That's just politics, isn't it? It's it, it. It may not have anything to do with the person. So if you become a nominee from the president to to some position, what a nightmare! Because you you're just going to be a, a you know a piece in the game. You're just going to be in, a piece of the chessboard. Yeah. Well, it could be a nightmare, especially some of the big positions. But I mean, the vast majority of uh, presidential appointees get nominated and get confirmed without, uh, you know, any hitches at all. Yeah. I actually was confirmed by the Senate, and I think three people showed up at the hearing, and I was being appointed to EPA, which at the time yeah, that was gone a- through kind of a controversial episode. Uh, then they had a new administrator, and this isn't about me. I'm just saying it. The, the, I've seen up close and personal the, the confirmation process, and most of the time, it's just a breeze, hmm. but sometimes it's not either because of the person or because they're caught up in some other uh, ideological, philosophical Battle. dispute. 
Hey, another thing I just had to ask you about is John Hinckley. Did you hear about John Hinckley, the man that was the Reagan shooter, uh, shot Ronald Reagan? Um, and uh, also James Brady was shot in that as well as I believe one of the Secret Service. He is uh, – he may be nearing uh, the chance to be free. I, you know, I only saw the headline on that. So I, all I can know is what, what you just knew, although I'd be kind of surprised if at the end of the day they let him out. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know any more facts about it. Well, I guess, I guess what's happening is he – he now has about 17 days a month where he's free to go home to his mother's home in Williamsburg, um, a small southeastern Virginia city. And he, he just goes and spends time there. So half of the month already he's out of his confinement. His, his, oh, out of, that's interesting. I, I didn't, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't read this story. No. I'm, I'm well, no, and I'm throwing it at you. But I'm throwing it at you because you were in the Reagan administration and um, – I'm thinking it's got to be a hard thing to to see that for people. Yeah, um, it is. But, I mean, honestly, total, obviously total speculation. But yeah. uh, I, I, I have a feeling that President Reagan would be pretty Lincoln-esque about this thing would in he? terms of, uh, you know, erring on the side of uh, charity, yeah. not malice. I mean, he he's obviously has mental health issues, severe depression, other issues, and you know he's also pretty much relegated to a a pretty hard life where nobody you know is super excited to have him around. Right. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a hard life anyway. Uh, anyway, I just thought, man, I got to ask Joe what uh, his feeling was, and I think you're probably right, don't you think? Ronald Reagan would just he'd get it. In fact, wouldn't that be a great shot if to see him? meet with him. That would be cool. Um, talk to me about uh, what you want to talk about. What is on the mind of Joe Cannon politically? What stands out in your head is something we've got to talk about? Well, uh, I, I probably won't return to this subject again, but last week was the sesquicentennial of the Abraham Lincoln assassination. Mm. And by a cork of fate, I was in Washington. Mm. And on the 14th, which was the night he was shot 150 years ago, I wandered by the uh, uh, Ford Theater. I said, well, I'll just take a picture. I get there. There are hundreds and hundreds of people there. Oh, wow. And, and to make a long story short, I, I, I see a line of people going into the theater. So I get in the line, and I think, oh, I'll just go see the theater and staff a picture. Well, it turns out there was a big commemorative event. I get up there, the, the woman taking tickets said, oh, I'm sorry, we're sold out. And oh. I said, really, not even a single ticket? You know, I'm all the way from yeah. the top. <laughs> Did she get one? Excuse me. And you know what? She said, you'll never believe this. Here's a ticket. A guy just gave me a ticket and said uh, he had a friend who couldn't come. And oh, wow. I, I got this great ticket. It was on the front row. Uh-uh. <laughs> the, thing was, the thing was introduced by Colin Powell. Oh, my god. He had heavens. Lincoln actors. He had, it was a... But it was Joe, a for you, wonderful evening, and it just made me think how how blessed America was because we had President Lincoln. Yeah. The next day, I had a meeting in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I drove right by Gettysburg. I said, oh. "Get off the road, go there, and see where the Gettysburg Address is." It was a whole Lincoln week for Joe Cannon. What? And, and he's your hero. Anybody else? No, this <laughs> is that's huge, and he is your hero. How how appropriate though? It, it almost kind of also just tells you. 
how life will just kind of work out for you sometimes to just you just yes. show up and then you are blessed and get a ticket and then you get to drive by Gettysburg and but I tell my children never underestimate the role of serendipity in your mm. life it's such it's so true and, and I, I to me honestly I love that because that's just going to deepen your story, deepen your connection to it, which we'll be able to benefit from on the show every time we pick your brain. Um, well, Joe, we appreciate you, my friend. I know you're uh, out of town again, traveling, trying to uh, to to help uh, lower the, the fuel costs in the United States. But Joe Cannon, thanks again for your political insight and, uh, again, just true, truly for your love of country. Good stuff, folks. We're lucky. I mean, there, there's just people. There's just really good people that, uh, that, that get it at a much deeper level, I think, than many of us. We're going to take a break, come back, uh, just continue. The, the news, more information, insights about uh, tools, the things you need to hopefully make your life a little bit better, at least a little more informed when it comes to politics. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Oh, politics. I mean, some people don't. They just don't enjoy politics. I like it. I don't get what the... What? How could you not just love beating yeah. somebody up politically for the next 18 months? It's, in many ways, a very polite fight. It's and you like, get to sit back and watch people argue and bicker and lob sort of bombs at each other, and it's kind of fun. It's like ultimate fighting without blood. Right. Or, a, you know, an arm bar or whatever they call it. <laughs> it's like that. But I think, you know, that might not be a bad idea. Put a, put a Hillary and whoever the Republicans end up putting up, just put them in the ring. Just Question. Okay. Should question. we call her Hillary? I read an opinion piece over the weekend. Should we call her Hillary? Well, she that's her name. Yeah, but do we call... Barack Barack, yes. Do we call Ted Cruz Ted? Yes. What Mar- else would we call him? Marco Rubio, do you refer to him as Marco and everyone knows who you're talking no, about? I call him Rubio. Is it disrespectful to call her Hillary? Should she be Hillary Clinton? Mrs. Clinton? Should you refer to her... Because we refer to the other well, ones as Senator Rubio, Senator Cruz. Oprah. Well, the Oprah's not running for office. Well, I know, but what's the difference? They've they, they're brand, she, everyone's branding themselves like Oprah. I mean, you know what I mean? They're just they're okay. using the same branding experts. So, right. if you can go with Hillary, I mean, she's got a brand. An interesting thing about Hillary is it's a brand even different than Hillary Clinton. You bring in Clinton. I don't know if you noticed, but they couldn't have kept Bill Clinton farther away right. than from this whole thing over the last month or week. I mean, he was not around. Where was the dude? He was gone. He wasn't mentioned. He didn't even talk until, yeah. like, well, weekend. I've seen how uh, Chelsea Clinton, there's a plan where she's going to have a big part in the election. Yeah. Yeah. There's no no talk of Bill having a big role it's in interesting. the election. So that's, that's why I think it serves her to be Hillary. Does it humanize her to go by a first name? I think so. And I think, Or I, does it hurt her in the sense that you're not... 
that that maybe there's not this uh, this level of respect when you're using someone's first I mean, name. You could. I mean, I think if you were announcing her, well, they. I mean, that's you'd a, say Senator Clinton. But in, right? in conversations say, in in where people write about her, do they just use? Hillary, where all the other candidates they wouldn't use necessarily just their first name. Yeah, is that is that a that's pro for her? Is that a con for her? Does yeah, that work I, I for her? Not. A, I think that's a, well. It's an interesting. Well, and also there's the debate that everybody thinks it's sexist and demeaning because we're just calling her by her name, right? Yes, we're just saying Hillary, and, and that's kind of where the opinion piece went. Is, yeah. but I'm not sure if it's that way. Other than I, I it's I think it's just name recognition. It's the yeah. easiest way to do it. I mean, and it's the it's efficient. It's you could say. Senator Hillary Clinton, or what was she? Uh, sp- uh, Secretary, Secretary of State. State past uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. It's just so long. But she's branding herself that way. I mean, even her logo is an H. It's not yeah, a H C. It's just not says a C. Hillary. I, I think it's she's intentionally avoiding the Clinton thing. And I think it's. I think it's hip. Yeah. I think it's smart. It's Oprah. It's uh, O. It's just O. These are some of the discussions you get when you. Uh, well, I mean, I have think a female. I even have candidate. a hard time. Because Barack, you shouldn't call your president Barack. He's President Obama. You should right. say President Obama. He's the but, president. But there are some people who I avoid saying President Obama because they don't want to acknowledge that he's the president. Right. That's pitiful. And so then the problem – then it, it just it, what, yeah. what's the ulterior motive to using whatever name you use to identify this person by? It, mine's just you know, usually just more like, just, efficiency. Right. Like Mitt. Mitt's a funny name. Yes. We just called him Mitt. 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 Isn't it funny? They all have pretty quirky little names. Marco Polo. Do you guys remember that game? Marco Polo. No, it's Rubio. He, um, they're they're going at each other. Jeb and Marco. Yeah. And you're right. There, there. He is kind of the, He's the Jeb grand. is like the he kind of helped yeah. foster Marco well, he along. He cried in an announcement or something for yes. Marco. He, he's, he became, he's endeared to him. He was the first. Uh, Latino, I guess, mm-hmm. Speaker of the House in Florida, and well, yeah. it was just like a big moment for him. And yeah. Jeb introduced him. Jeb and made it. So there, there's this tie between the two, and now they're but now they got they got to beat each other up because Marco's got to make a name for himself. But I think what would be cool is, um, and I think you'll see this out of the Republican Party once they're out of the primary, they're going to have to make some major turn, and it's going to have to be something dramatic. And if I'm a betting man, it's going to have to be something with immigration. I was just reading. It's going to have to be because Mar- there's no other term. Marco Rubio over the weekend said immigration likely dead. You can't get immigration reform. He goes, I tried it. It oh, doesn't work. Yeah, but it's got to work. Something's got to happen. He doesn't think the country's ready for that that decision, for that argument, for that uh, I discussion think, right now. I think that's what we're saying right now because I think half the country probably is, right? Could be. It's just not the Republican. <laughs> no, that's, I think that's what he's saying without so I think, saying. I think in code he's saying that in about if he can win a nomination or be asked to be on a ticket with whomever's going, then we might be able to turn toward. It has to turn something because you're you can't go against the first real super powerfully viable candidate for president named with named Hillary. Yeah, with an H logo. Yes, you can't. Without having some other major option that shows inclusion, and the Republicans have struggled with that. Absolutely, noticed. <laughs> yeah, they've noticed. Yeah, oh, they're noticing now, aren't they? Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But luckily, it's you know we've got a year and a half. Yay! Only a year to Iowa, I guess. Yay! 
Hey, folks, that's the first hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, leaders, we need them. And leaders aren't just those that are the running for office. It's also those that are choosing their officers. We'll take a break, come back, uh, have the news, have a whole other hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your life coach, folks. Everybody needs a life coach. I'm your guide on the side. Doing what we can on this program to give you the tools you need to make uh, the life you want. It's not enough to just listen to the news. What are you going to do because of what you've been learning? Not all information is equally important. Hello? But uh, we try to bring you the tools and then, you know, give you a choice to go make the life you want to have. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome. Here's the deal. Uh, I, had a, I had a great weekend. I went out of town to a very small town in Utah called Dinosaur Land. It's Vernal. Well, it's called Vernal. It's called Vernal. But it's Dinosaur, dinosaur Land's Land. there. Did you see the big dinosaur in town? Um, I, no, right. I didn't. That was one of the. It's like in town. Looks like it just it's a massive you know, statue. It's, but, oh, it's a statue because yeah. I you, I don't know if you know dinosaurs are they're not they're no longer around. I don't know. Did you see one? <laughs> you don't know. But this is just a small kind of oil town, and it and it booms. It goes up and down, and really about every five years, boom bust, boom bust, boom bust, and it just clued me in that it's hard to be. I mean, we always hear the big news coming from the big cities, but to be a small city. Constantly, where the where the biggest act in town was me one night. I mean, that's pathetic. You got a lot of traction on Twitter. Did we? Did we? A lot there of, were quite a few mentions of people being excited to see Matt Townsend. Isn't that weird? Yeah, because it's, it's a small town. There's nothing going on there. They're really excited. All they can do is either look at a dinosaur statue. I bet you they're the people that live there aren't as excited about the dinosaur feature of the town as possibly I know. you are. Yeah, I'm excited. I want to go there and take my kids and oh, yeah. show them. Look, dinosaurs. And they have Flaming Gorge, if you've ever heard of that place. Holy cow, that's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful lake. Um, or gorge filled with water, <laughs> a.k.a. reservoir. Yeah. Um, here's the deal. Small town, big changes. We all can make huge changes in a person's life. I mean, I went in and just we just had about a thousand people at an event. It was way cool. It was almost it was just kumbaya-ish cool. Today we're going to have a guest in studio, actually two guests, where two a professor and five students. One of the students will be with us, graduate students in engineering, changed majorly changed the life of two little boys who are in a wheelchair by creating a souped-up wheelchair for kids. I mean, little kids don't get power chairs usually, really little kids. So these, these engineering students, as one of their program, their projects, they call it Capstone Project, they put together this souped up little wheelchair and changed the life of two kids. So and we're going to hopefully motivate everybody to get out there and, and change, change a life in whichever way, however you can. 
make a difference in someone's life. So we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later with Professor Mark Colton. He'll be joining us in studio, by the way. Uh, anything going on in the news? Over the weekend, yeah. 19 declared or likely Republican presidential candidates were in New Hampshire. 19 of them. That's was it the, like uh, camp? It was, it was like Republic, GOP camp. Republican Leadership Summit. Oh, was it was at a hotel it? ballroom, and there was just speech after speech after speech. Oh, jeez. New Hampshire is one of the primary yeah. states, and so they're really interested in uh, hearing from all of these uh, individuals as they try to uh, establish their conservative Republican Can you bonafides. imagine that party, though? Yeah. That's crazy. According to reports, uh, people wanted to hear from uh, Marco Rubio, Senator Marco Rubio, and uh, Governor Scott Walker from Wisconsin. Those were two yeah. of the yeah the big names. Those there. are the young the youngins. Scott Walker. Uh, I haven't heard a lot about him. Lately. He's kind of been off the off the map well, I think a little it's, bit because you know Marco Rubio back. announces all the announcements are coming in. Governor Walker said uh, Hillary Clinton represented the third term of Barack Obama. Mm, there you go. Uh, former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee denounced the Clinton political machine, and Senator Ted Cruz quipped that uh, Clinton was not at the event because it was not being bankrolled by foreign interests. Wow. Okay. So it was, so, it was that kind of party. So Clinton's the target. Yes. <laughs> well, but that, that, at least they're united. There, there seemed to each speech had, you know, you 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 you, you go after the the current president, yeah. right? Uh-huh. You tear down Hillary. I guess we can call her Hillary now. That's yeah, okay. H. And then, uh, then you talk about why I'm the best guy, why we as a party need to be unified, and you should get behind me. I'm the best candidate for America. You know, that kind of thing. It's politics. It's all politics. See, it's all politics. And if in these, apparently, the people in attendance were really interested, and there was cheering, and people were really excited by this. Um, in other news, last week we had uh, Vladimir Putin. In mm. Russia, he was doing his uh, three and a half hour, four hour marathon yeah. state of the state of the state Russian address. economy world, and he had some uh, uh, comments about the United States behaving like the former Soviet Union, mm-hmm. overreaching foreign policy, those yeah. sorts of issues. Well, over the weekend, he said, uh, "He goes, we have disagreements with Washington, but there is something that unites us that forces us to work together. I mean, the general effort." Uh, directed at making the world's economy more de- democratic, measuring measured and balanced, so that's the world's order is more democratic. We have a common agenda. We're friends. Was kind of what he was oh, trying to say. Oh, oh, oh okay. So Us, the United States, we're, we're we're together. We work yeah. together. We have a common interest. We're united by wanting to make the world a better place. Well, and and we have a common interest in that they used to be the Soviet Union, and we now act like the old Soviet well, Union. Mainly. That was rhetoric from last week where he's acting okay. tough. This is new. This is new rhetoric. The new rhetoric is okay. that we're all friends. Yeah, well, sure. So it's like bipolar. You know what we need? We need a reset button. Each week's different. <laughs> Where's Hillary's reset button? We need her to come push the reset button. Just to ch- ch- changing. He can't. He can't win because he he just offends one week and then the next week he tries to make nice. Yes. You know who he reminds me of? Who's that? ESPN's Britt McHenry. Yeah. She had a tough week. Brought on completely by herself. Right. What happened? She, she had her car towed in Baltimore. Yeah. And then Left she go, car where goes, you leave goes to the tow yard and starts just berating the woman working at the desk where you pay your fine and get your car back. Oh, that was bad. And the whole thing happened to be caught on security camera as she's saying things like, I have a degree, you have no teeth, you, you, you're like either the woman was the size of a trailer or you uh, live in a trailer. Yeah. I'm on TV. I'm important. Uh, you're I'm not. in the news, sweetheart. I will blanking sue this place. Yes. 
That's why I have a degree and you don't, McHenry said. I wouldn't work at a scumbag place like this. My skin – it makes my skin crawl even being here. Yeah, the words are one thing. The video is another. Watching someone oh. just deliver this performance was, was Maybe different. if I was missing some teeth, they would hire me, huh? Yeah. You know what? James said the exact same thing to me. It's hurtful. It's rude. She was suspended for now, a week. Okay, now you tell me this. Yes. Why? Why was she suspended? Because this is her just being a jerk personally – She's not – she wasn't reporting on ESPN. She no. was just being towed. She's – but because she is someone who is visible and a public figure in some range yeah. on ESPN, they take it as you're representing the company and you've embarrassed the company. Yeah. And uh, so she's been suspended. They're not going to put her on TV after doing this. And ESPN does this because you know you, you have an employee acting badly in public – Doing things in poor taste, you take them off the air. Uh, lose some weight, baby girl. They should make her That's come in. Said. Make her come in and do like filing. Yeah, do, do, just office work. Interesting. But instead, they just give her the week off, or pay for the woman that she offended to get. Don't. Go ahead. Help around the office. Right. That's not where you were going. That's exactly where I was going. No, it wasn't. It was. You were so going no, to say I something. No, I wasn't. I about... wasn't. Don't talk for me. I wasn't. <laughs> Isn't that interesting that she – but she got fired. And yes. you get fired well, anytime – suspended. 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 That's yes. right. Anytime you sit there and you say, uh, do you know who I am? I work – I'm on television. If you start a phrase well, you with – you say that. You, well, I do, but I use it to my, my benefit. Yeah. But I say that and everyone's like, no. Like I, I'll, I'll get like a – I don't know who you are. You go to a bakery and you get free cookies. Do you know who I am? Do you know? Do you know who I? I pull out my I'm phone. Huge. I, I let them listen to the podcast for a minute. They're like, "That's you." And I go, "Can I have a free cookie?" And then you got to <sighs> see. It just, it's yeah, it's bad for. It makes ESPN look bad, but it's just that's just one person. Yeah, but you can't. Does oh, it solve the problem by simply no. suspending her? Everybody on Earth, and and that woman's just like, you know, you're being recorded here. You're being recorded here. Yeah, and, she, and at one point she looks up at the camera and goes, oh, man. Oh, busted. <laughs> well, a lot of people are, are saying that ESPN isn't doing enough. I mean, like being suspended for one week is just like a slap on the wrist. See, th- but this is crazy because every other job on earth, you can go be towed and yell at the tow people. I mean, who hasn't been towed <laughs> and yelled at the tow people? That's just – but I mean, hard job. Have you ever, you've not you, have you not seen lizard lick towing? I mean, come on. <laughs> it's my favorite show. It's my favorite show. No, it's like a family reunion when I watch lizard lick towing. But you don't get fired like when you yell at the the people that put the boot on your car. You didn't yell at them, James. Well, you just took the boot like a man. Paid the fine. You're bringing back up bad memories. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Yes. Uh, lose some weight, baby girl. Yeah. Ugh. She just took it to a whole new level. I'm, I, I was just astounded that you, you see someone doing that, and you're in the heat of the moment, and then you just keep pushing. Yeah. She did come out. The, she know. tweeted out. I, I, she basically apologized. In an intense and stressful oh. moment, I allowed my emotions to get the best of me and said some insulting things to that toothless gap. <laughs> no, she didn't say it. But she I, did say I, it. And so she said some insulting things and she's uh, she apologized. After the video came out, I jumped on her Instagram account and she had put up a picture a couple of days ago that says oh, like something to the fact of, above all else, be kind. 
and that post was just getting destroyed oh, by people. <laughs> here, let's let's get her full apology right here, just so she has her her chance. In an intense and stressful moment, I allowed my emotions to get the best of me and said some insulting and regrettable things. As frustrated as I was, I should always choose to be respectful and take the high road. I am so sorry for my actions and will learn from my mistake. Signed, Britt Brit McHenry. You know, again, hopefully she's learned. She's young. She's now learned. I mean, how many times, James, did we have to film you making fun of the tow truck people before you learned? How many times was that? Like almost like zero, actually. It took a long time. <sighs> Still in denial. <laughs> Still in denial. You don't even admit you have a problem, which means, James, you're going to continue having problems. Sorry to get on you. Maybe I should just stop parking there. Yeah. Then I wouldn't have any run-ins at all. I think you're right. It's exactly right. By the way, it's a curb. You can't park on the curb. Seems Especially like the red ones. I the red ones. And it seems like a no-brainer. It's hard when <sighs> you, they look gray. That's right. Let's learn from Britt McHenry. Let's not call people names. Let's not insult them because of their education or their teeth or their weight. And don't call people baby girl. Lessons. Only brought to you by the Matt Townsend Show. Every other station would overlook some of those lessons. We're here to serve. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about other people who served. They took their job. They took their role very seriously and went out and changed the lives of at least two people, two young men and a family, two boys, actually, and a family. And also they changed the lives potentially of thousands of others uh, who needed um, better access. Uh, to affordable wheelchairs. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Man, uh, on the show, we like to also point out heroes, and my hero of the day, it's going to go to uh, actually a group of engineers here from Brigham Young University. Um, These are people that have made a big difference in the life of at least two brothers, uh, Tanner Jensen III and his brother Skyler, who's 20 months old. Both have the genetic muscle condition of, um, what's it called, guys? SMA. SMA, which stands for? Spinal muscular atrophy. There you go. It's a test. I'm testing you. you. (laughs) It's a test. That was Zach Zimmerman. Joining us is professor from Brigham Young University, Mark Colton. He has his PhD uh, in um, engineering, mechanical engineering. That's right. Is that right? And Zach Zimmerman, who is – he's – uh, a student here at BYU in engineering. Yeah, just about to graduate. Now, well, we'll see about that. So. <laughs> Have you passed all your finals? One left. It's finals week. Now, talk to us because you – so two boys have SMA and um, they – little boys don't normally get a wheelchair that's electrical, right? That's, that's, uh, that's a power chair, right? Is that normal? Because right. they're so expensive. They're extremely expensive, what, what, how much is a, is just a regular wheelchair that's powered? Zach, what, two to $10,000? Yeah, right in that range. Two to ten grand. So what parents can go get one, let alone two, 
for these little kids. And so here at BYU, they at the end of your uh, senior year, I guess, is it seniors only that involved in Capstone? Yes. So talk about the Capstone project and – you have to come up with a plan, an idea, and you have a faculty advisor like Mark that, that sits down with the team. Talk, th- talk us through that. What, what's the goal of Capstone? Mark, maybe teach us that. And then, Zach, how did you guys come up with this idea? That's great. Yeah, so every senior in mechanical engineering at BYU and seniors in other departments can also participate have to complete this real-world engineering project, which takes place over a full school year. Mm. Um, it's funded by some sponsor. So someone has a great idea, wants it engineered. They come and pay BYU a little bit of money and they get some great engineering out of it. Yeah. So by the end of eight months, you've had five or six engineers uh, working on this project for very affordable cost. And the students, of course, are the ones who really benefit. They get real world engineering experience before they graduate. Now, did somebody fund this one or was this, did this just come from a general fund for Capstone? This was funded by a sponsor who, out of the goodness of his heart, wanted oh, to do something awesome. His name's Tim Gunsay. He's a local engineer, and uh, he knew the Jensen's, who we'll talk about, yeah. and uh, wanted to do something awesome. He actually wanted to make a difference not just for them, but for hopefully a lot of people who, oh, yeah. who need a wheelchair like this. Because in the end, uh, somehow this team ended up coming up with an idea that that took what's normally a $2,000 to $10,000 wheelchair, and you made it about a $500 chair. Talk to us about that, Zach. That was the really difficult part of the the wheelchair creation was coming down, sitting with Tim Gunsay, seeing what he really wanted to get out of this wheelchair. So for the first couple of weeks of Capstone, we sat down with him and talked out how much we wanted it to weigh, how much it was going to cost, how we were going to be able to have it made. And in the end, he said, you know, let's keep it under 24 pounds, under $500, and make it so that Anybody can buy the parts online, have them shipped to their house, and read a simple instruction manual and put it all together. Oh, my heavens. And it's – you got to go look at the website. But if you go to the website, they put up um, a website called openwheelchair.org, which, which is where you can see just some pictures of it. And then soon they'll be putting the specs on the site. So anybody then can go design a wheelchair. 24 pounds is what it was the goal. What did it end up coming out at? So we're at 20 and a half pounds right now. What's a normal wheelchair way that's powered? Oh, if you get a powered wheel for, wheelchair for two to $10,000, they're about 300 pounds. Holy so cow. you got to have additional things to your car to either be able to put oh. it in or attach it on the back. So think how cool that a mom in her minivan can put her ch- kids in the car, then go lift their wheelchairs, no problem. I mean, that's a bag of groceries at Costco. And um, yeah. if you're wearing a lifting belt. And you just <laughs> – 25 pounds. And she can put her two chairs in the back and now take her kids. Well, the 20-month-old. I'd like to see what he's like in the chair. Mine would end up, I don't know, in a lake somewhere. Um, powerful. So uh, – you, so is that the goal of Capstone, though, Mark, is to, to have an engineering challenge and then to just kind of seriously knock it out of the park? So it went from a 24-pound goal, goal down to 20-and-a-half-ish pounds. And the cost – did he give you a cost goal? Yes. What was the cost goal? It was under 500. Yeah. Under 500. And you did that fairly easily too. Yeah. So the goal of Capstone is, yeah, like you said, to give them an, an engineering experience. But uh, some of the Capstone projects uh, have this cool social aspect to it, one where you can really be a, a, be a benefit to a lot of people. Some of them are more 
for-profit type yeah. projects, you know, big companies who right. want some engineering done. These guys were lucky enough to be involved, at least I think lucky enough because it's a real pleasure, sure. to be involved in a project where it can just make an awesome difference. And most of our capstone teams do knock it out of the ballpark, right? Yeah. The, the companies come back, the sponsors come back and say, this was awesome. They end up hiring our students. They Well, and like, for see. example, I know that there's been some where the military will say, we need some mechanism to climb a wall. Mm-hmm. And then they just give you a little money to just go test it. They might even give it to many schools, right, and put yeah, it out sometimes. there. And then create a little competition and then they, they go head to head. That's so right. That's, so the idea that Tim Gunsay comes in and he donated money, I mean what does it take to do this, to, to have R&D on a wheelchair for a year with six people? Yeah, that would that would be a very expensive. And that would be so normally. expensive. Very expensive, and uh, you know our our senior students here they're like new engineers, so they're very capable and very affordable. <laughs> I mean, it seems like too if somebody wanted to, they could build them in in mass and sell them even cheaper, maybe because sure. you'd, you'd buy everything. Sure, they could, but that would kind of take away the. Uh, Open source, do it yourself yeah. aspect. And yeah. some people love the ability to customize yeah, what they do true. and improve on our design. Right. And th- there's room and that's for that. what you want. You really oh, want them to, to make, take it and make it better. Yeah, for sure. So, talk about the Jensen's. Um, what was it like as a team when you met the Jensen's? That's what really made the project come to life. When we had the opportunity to sit down and see the two Jensen boys and and see their condition and say, we're really going to be helping this family, it it made the project real. And everybody was already behind the project. We had the opportunity to choose this as one of the projects that we were interested in. Mm. So we were already interested in it. But then seeing for the first time that these boys would be able to have that advanced mobility and ability to get around for something that, you know, the parents wouldn't have to yeah. go through – the difficulty of of getting a heavy, large motorized wheelchair. I mean, a three hundred pound wheelchair <laughs> in and out of a car. And what's it like? What was it like when you did you bring them in multiple times, or did you just bring them in? Did you bring them in early? So we went at the very beginning and talked with the Jensen family and kind of got their feel for what they would want in this wheelchair. And we talked to them and we kept contact with them over email as the wheelchair progressed. Yeah. And then when it got to a point that we had a ready version, we took it up to them and tested it out. Saw little things that we could fix and what so was, we kept. Oh, we got to take a break. When we come back, I want to hear what's it like when you put one of the Jensen boys, I guess the older one, uh, t- when you put Tanner in the chair at three and you're just testing it. I want to hear about what that's like in, in the eyes, I bet, in the eyes of an engineer to see some kid go off. Super cool. Super cool. We're going to take a break. Again, we're talking with uh, Dr. Mark Colton and Zach Zimmerman here from Brigham Young University's engineering department. Changing lives, folks, uh, with a project. A school project is now uh, impacted at least one family profoundly, and I have a feeling it's going to impact many, many, many more. Go to the website, um, uh, openwheelchair.org, openwheelchair.org, where the, uh, the blueprints to this wheelchair is going to be available. And you can build them for your neighbors or your kids or your friends. We'll take a break, my friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world right here on BYU Radio.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, you know, on the show, I like to talk about heroes. I got two in my uh, studio today. Dr. Mark Colton here from Brigham Young University School of Engineering, along with BYU senior Zach Zimmerman, hoping to graduate. Not quite sure if that will happen yet. It's You better know by Thursday, I think. <laughs> Is that the day? Oh, man, don't yeah. let me down, Zach. Um, <laughs> he's probably got a little more time than that. Uh, Dr. Colton and Zach have been doing a capstone project all year. It's a project that uh, seniors do, and it's collaborative effort. Get a group of people together, brainstorm, and get an outside sponsor to bring ideas and some money. And with all of that, of all the things they could have chosen, and with the influence a little bit of a guy named Tim Gunsay, who um, kind of was funding the thing and uh, also an engineer, they decided to build a wheelchair for two boys, the Jensen boys, who um, are suffering from SMA, spinal muscular atrophy, atrophy, and put together a wheelchair, folks, out of the, instead of a $10,000 chair or a two to 5000 whatever dollar chair, they made a chair that now costs $495, and it's open sourced, which means anybody can go to openwheelchair.org, and you can build a similar chair for 500 bucks and uh, the cool thing about it, it comes in many colors you can pick your colors as part of the process but i wanted to ask uh, you in fact and let's just have you uh teach us here zach you you bring the chair in you sit tanner in it the three-year-old and mm-hmm. is he what's he what's he thinking is he is this a normal thing is he did he pause or did he just get busy he just went right for it. He put, just gunned it. throttled down on Because it had a joystick and, and he knew what to do. He just went at it. Yeah. So he's had a little experience with um, a wheelchair that he was able to try out and use, but it's just not feasible for their family. So he got this one, sat down, knew how to do it. And, and even the 20-month-old, you said the 20-month-old also, uh, his name was Skyler. He had a chair. They had wheelchairs, but they also mm-hmm. have atrophy, so it's probably hard for them to actually motorize their own chair. Definitely. So that was one of the things that Esther Jensen talked about. She said a lot of the times they can only go so far because they yeah. get tired. And so, I mean, Skylar wanting to be like Big Brother, he saw him sit down, use the chair, and, and he was like – saw that look in his face and he sat down in the chair and was like this is cool <laughs> well how cool is that did the whole team was the whole team went there when you did it yeah so no one wants when, to miss when, that. when they came to byu for the final presentation that we had we were able to sit him down the whole team was there and got to see tanner right around in it and he just he was having a blast was he really yeah the smile on his face said everything is that all you needed did yeah. you get pictures of that yeah we have a lot of pictures and then i mean that's huge yeah and they're just these cute little kids that have to – they already have a battle. You know you guys are going to be all over the place. You're going to go to all of these uh, – you're going to go to the – what do they call it? Like the Muscular Dystrophy Association, you know, telethons. <laughs> you can start having wheelchair races because this is a lighter chair, right? And it's, um, it's also – it's a peppy chair. It's pretty speedy. Talk about that with us, Mark. How do you – I mean – you could have you, – it's got a lot of guts. It's got a lot of power. So you had to turn it down a bit. Well, it definitely has on. enough power to to keep it moving at a brisk walk, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Zach? Yeah, brisk walk. It can go up ramps. That was one of the things yeah, this guy had thing, to shoot huh? for. It has to be able to go up uh, any kind of ramps that the, the kids would 
need. Uh, so we, yeah, at first, especially we had to turn it down a little bit in yeah. software, you know, there's a microcontroller on this, the students made it so it had a maximum speed. So it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't get too out of control. We found out later that, Hey, Tanner was happy to go a little faster than we gave him <laughs> the, the opportunity to. So they yeah. turned it up and he now zips around. You're going to have to go to NASCAR and buy all their safety equipment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Put all those head yeah. gear on five him. Five point seatbelt. That's exactly. Yeah. He's got to now use a five point seatbelt. <laughs> I asked you in the break, um, so when Tanner grows older and um, do we just have to build a new chair? But you said, no, these are these – are, you can retrofit. Yeah, that was one of the other key requirements of this project is uh, it had to be scalable. Mm. And so just by using different lengths of PVC, they can make it for a two-year-old or they can make it for a six-year-old. And if the child outgrows the current chair – just cut longer PVC, and the and the team has provided uh, guidelines that say if your child is this tall, have you, really? you know, uh, cut PVC these PVC lengths. Yeah. If they're this tall, cut these PVC lengths. Do you see a day that you'll be able to take it from eight to twelve year olds or six to twelve year olds and keep growing it? Is that that's I guess a whole new rebuild? A that's an interesting thought to consider. A lot of what we did was for smaller children and so would have to redo testing and other things yeah. like that to make sure that it would be able to fit the safety requirements that we wanted to. But Yeah. Is the um so what's the outcome? What do you guys talk about now? I mean, I guess it's done. You probably don't hang out. You're probably almost done with this. We're semester. tired of each other. I think you are. Sir. <laughs> But now you just go to the website and everybody looks at the website. Yeah. But what's it like at the end of this? You know, even when the Jensens leave, what does a team? What do you all say to each other? What does that look like? Well, it's awesome. Uh, first place, let me say that Tim Gunsay, the sponsor, he said we're not just after creating wheelchairs for the Jensens. We're interested in creating a movement, right? Cool. And so that's where the effort is now, turning this from a specialized project into. You know, something big where yeah. anyone can access it. And so the website, is, which is up and running, uh, will soon have the plans and all the parts lists and instructions and all that. Yeah. That's kind of where, where things are headed right now. And if you could post – and the the website, again, is openwheelchair.org. But if you could post video of people putting it together and then the kids getting in it for the first time, I mean magical, seriously. Way magical, yeah. So I'll just say also that when I first saw uh, Tanner get into that wheelchair at the uh, final presentations, these students were, of course, busy making sure it worked. Sure. And, and I was just standing back watching this thing, and I couldn't believe it. It was one of those moments for me where it was like amazing. I bet. You know, it felt so oh, great. Yeah. And uh, these guys maybe didn't have the luxury of – uh, enjoying that as much because they're so busy. Yeah, yeah I just sat, sat back right. and enjoyed it. Well, yeah, it's the benefit of being, you know, a faculty member. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're like, yes, <laughs> I've earned my keep. Um, but the cool thing too, I guess, is um, you get to see, you get to know that you didn't just make a better widget somewhere. You didn't just make a better bottle cap, right? And which is, you know, not to say that's not great, yeah. but you changed a life. I mean, just the freedom this kid has now to run out or wheel out and. Chase down a ball or whatever. How cool is sure. that? That's cool. And let me also – I'd like to say one more thing. Yeah, you know, I really didn't do anything on this project. Or right? your I, faculty. You just watch. <laughs> I watch. I help where possible. But really it's the five team members that do yeah. it all. But you stir the pot, I'm sure. sure. Oh, you, sure. You ask the question at the right time yeah. and – yeah, sometimes questions they don't want to hear. That's you know, it. I try and I try and think about the future and, you know, what if kind of questions. Yeah. But these guys, man, they they're the ones who. who well, do you it. had to take role. Well, Somebody yeah. had to see who was there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're like Bueller, Bueller. Um, 
How cool is that? Five members of the team. Do you ever get to a point where uh, – Certain things stopped you. Was there any part of this build that you thought, okay, this is not going to work? This engine's not, or this motor's not going to be the right motor? Or, yeah, there were a lot of points. I think the most difficult thing was making it possible to order online and make it home. A lot of the times, would come to solutions and then would recognize the difficulty for yeah, the average Joe for somebody who doesn't have technical skills in that set to accomplish such a task mm. and would be put back to square one saying, okay, that's not going to be an easy task. How do we simplify that? Yeah. So there were plenty of times when we sat down as a team and said, we got to rethink this. So Well, and it's almost like yours wasn't even just building the chair. It was somebody then needs to document the specs. It's almost like you needed it or did you have – somebody on the team that was like a technical writer. Like this would have been a perfect project <laughs> to have a technical writer, somebody that could write the instructions for all of this. No. So as a team, we, we put it together and then at the end we had a final report we had to do and we all worked oh, together wow. to get that to come. Was this five engineers on the team? Yeah. Because sometimes you have cross uh, specialty areas that come in from other departments. That's right. These were all mechanical engineers specifically. Were they really? This year. Yeah. And they have to be amateur writers. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> yeah. Engineering <laughs> oh, is do they have documentation. Yeah, exactly. So you really have to. That's yeah. true, though. That's, yeah, so you're probably already pros. Yeah. I mean, amateurs. <laughs> sorry. Amateurs, not pros. Yeah. Well, cool. And what, uh, what do you, I guess, um, what do you take away from this when you think about it, Zach? What, I mean, what's going to be your memory? Um. I'm really excited because I think it just comes down to seeing that smile on Tanner's face is that we didn't we didn't get the opportunity like Dr. Colton to to soak it in the whole time but the time that we did get to see him wheel around he just has this beaming smile yeah. and to know that his life is you know that much better and oh, it yeah. was just a wonderful experience to see that. How cool is that? Well and it's got to affect uh your families and I mean I would imagine you take this stress home you know what I mean <laughs> you take this to your your roommates and your friends and um, when you guys think about it because what I liked about the whole story too is you're just a bunch of students right you're not yeah. even and then Tim's just some Tim Gunsay who provided the idea and the money or whatever he's just a dude right he's not a he's just trying to change the he's trying to create a movement that's right yeah so it's just a bunch of average everyday people that made a difference in where they were that's right you choose yeah. the right problem and you can make a big difference isn't that cool yeah so what's next i don't know so <laughs> some of the team members that are staying in utah are trying to help tim continue to keep it up on the on the website and whatnot cool. tim's going to build some of the wheelchairs himself to see any yeah. improvements that he wants to add in and other than that, we're just going to try and keep moving forward. And this is an Eagle Scout project. <laughs> That's a great like, idea. For real. I yeah. mean, if I had any clue how to build anything, mm -hmm. could I hire you, Mark? <laughs> you come. I'll pay you to do my son's Eagle project. That's a great idea. <laughs> I mean, it sounds unethical. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, really, like, we're always, like, doing other projects, cleaning yeah. wheelchairs for the sure. hospital. Why not make wheelchairs for kids in your neighborhood? Yeah. And by the way, you could build this wheelchair. Could I? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, okay, well, what are the tools I would need? Because <laughs> I just put up a basketball hoop and it took me an entire weekend. You need a drill. I got that. And a drill, you know, a PVC saw. cutters, right? Is that it? But I got both of those. We've really kept it so that you can use what you have in your garage now. Do I need the little PVC glue? No. We've So one of the things to help it expand 
to fit the child is we used screws for some of that so that you can easily pull it out and put in new pieces. And you just screw in like a, to, so it's protect, so it doesn't come undone. Exactly. But it's not permanent. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should. I have a yeah. son that needs a needle project. Yeah, there you go. If I That'd have great. problems, I can call you, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know it. Okay. <laughs> so great, guys. Uh, again, you're our hero. You're the hero of the day right there. That's super cool. And I love the idea that it's just a project. It was just – it could have been anything. You could have made a widget, but instead you changed the life of Tanner and Skyler. 20-month-old Skyler, 3-year-old Tyler or Tanner Jensen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you again. Uh, Zach Zimmerman and Mark Colton. Uh, Zach's a student here at BYU hoping to graduate someday. <laughs> <laughs> your parents are going to be afraid, Zach. And Mark Colton is a professor here, uh, has a degree in mechanical engineering from the University of Utah. Good stuff, folks. Average people making a huge difference in, a, in other people's lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break, come back, do a little Coach's Corner uh, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, one of the reasons I I do the show is because a lot of times what we hear in the news, we hear a lot of stories about messed up people that do stupid things, that hurt people, and then all of a sudden we hear one story of two engineers that can change the life of two children. And in the end, we'll be changing the lives of so many, many more. So... I want to just make sure that everybody gets a chance to see the whole picture, right? It's not – any one of us can be a hero and any one of us can be a hero in our own world. You don't need to uh, – you don't need to even be on the radio to be that type of hero. There are people every day that are helping somebody with disabilities in their own home, uh, the mother or the father that's helping the the child or the teen that's uh, battling depression. When I was in um, – uh, Vernal, uh, which is a small town here in Utah, uh, speaking in after one of my uh, speeches, we I had a chance to meet a lot of people, and they'd bring up an incredible amount of, uh, of of just joy and happiness. And then some were really struggling. Uh, one mother that has um, four children or so, and every one of the four children have severe anxiety or depression or borderline or bipolar issues. So she's battling major mental health with all four of her children. And meanwhile, the rest of us are just sitting there like, ah, but my kid got a B. <laughs> so maybe one of the things we might want to do is figure out how we can make a difference in people's lives around us. Every day when you walk down the hall at work, there are people there that are going through stuff. They're going through junk and a lot of people are on the verge of just being done. They just want to be done. So how do you become the change? One of my favorite quotes, you hear me mention it here a lot, is from Gandhi that we must become the change that we seek in the world. We must become the change. And two engineers, actually five engineers and a, and a professor, six people, plus one host who had the idea, they're creating a movement. 
Now, how big will the movement go? Who knows? But it doesn't matter to two little boys because it's already changed their life. And how many more kids are going to be impacted because of one idea? Now, the neat thing about the internet is that you're going to go be able to get the project. It's an open wheelchair project. And you'll be able to get the information and be able to put it together. And they said even I could do it, which if honestly, if I could do it, uh, you know, it's pretty easy. (laughs) So that's one great thing about the internet. The downside to the internet is uh, on all of the chat uh, rooms – like on Gizmodo and other places where this has also been posted as a story. You also have all of the naysayers. You have all of the other people that are like, PVC pipe will never last. Um, All right. Great opinion. But your opinion uh, isn't necessarily informed. No, because I've used it to put my sprinkler system in all the time. Do you even know what's going into this PVC pipe? Do you even know what type it is? Do you know if it's any different than the one that goes in your sprinkling system? Do you know what its tensile strength is? Do you know what all these other things are? You don't have a clue. So a lot of times in our world when we want to make a difference, we have a bunch of people around us that are really quick to show us and tell us how our difference isn't going to work. So think about it, folks. Are you somebody that lifts the game with others? Are you somebody that elevates other people or are you somebody that holds them back? from uh, from making a difference. I'm pretty sure that six engineers in a room doing a project that was proposed by another engineer have thought through how strong PVC pipe is. I'm pretty sure they thought that through. So do you honestly think in your little experience with PVC pipe that you know There's a big problem when you assume you know and you honestly think that um, you are certain about something. And even worse sometimes is when you are so caught up in your right to go share it that you're willing to go blow up an idea you know nothing about. Folks, the right to say something in this world, it's true. But you have to know that sometimes when you say something, you're also going to um, dishearten. You're also going to eliminate the trying of other people. You're going to minimize the impact of others. So your voice can be one that builds or it could be one that you know makes things harder. If you have to have dissent – and I'm not saying you should never have dissent. These guys talked about the fact that – on their team as putting together this wheelchair project, there was a lot of issues and there was a lot of dissent and they talked through a lot of stuff and they went through a lot of stuff and they showed it to a lot of people. There's a healthy way to dissent and there's a healthy way to say, hey, you know what? This seems like a really powerful idea, super awesome, changing the life of kids. I'm wondering how they tested the PVC pipe because the PVC pipe I've used in the past you know, may not have been able to handle this over time or may have – you know, uh, you know, aged in sunlight. Have you guys thought that through? That could be a simple question, which is different than having to blow it up. So ask yourself, are you somebody that is a naysayer? Are you somebody that brings the spirit of, of, of energy and hope and collaboration to the people around you? Or are you kind of like, a, you know, one of those little juicy boxes with a straw in the side of you sucking the life out of it, out of another person? Are you a life suck or are you a life uh, giver? What we need in this world, I promise, is a lot more people with some hope, with some ideas, 
Doesn't mean all their ideas are right, but uh, let's be sure, too, that we're not destroying, you know, the hope of others. I'm preparing uh, for a speech to um, talk about social media and how parents can work with their young adults and use social media to connect with their, their kids that are, like, going away to school and stuff. One of the big pieces of advice that uh, the, these young adults that I've been talking to gave me is we need to make sure that our parents um, – that they that they believe in us, that they just show us a little hope. Like don't ever – don't just assume we're the four-year-old kid that never – that left home that was – you know, that forgot his coat everywhere he went. We've grown up. Trust us and, and be our you know, cheerleader. Encourage us. Encouragement uh, comes from the French word cur, which means heart. And the word courage was never actually meant to be something of, you know, identifying someone of hero or heroic nature or valor. Courage meant that you had the ability to share your heart and to listen to the heart of others. So can I just challenge all of us to take from this open wheelchair project, take the idea of let's go be encouraging. Let's go start finding needs in our community, in our lives, and let's encourage them. When you're on social media and you're responding to an idea like this wheelchair thing, try to be encouraging. Try to spread a little light out in the world instead of just having to say your darkness and and spew your darkness. I'm telling you, it'll change the world if – any cynic or any pessimist would just do it half as much. Be as pessimistic as you want, but you don't have to bring it into my life every day. You don't have to bring it into everyone else's life every single day. So a little challenge for you. Again, go to the openwheelchair.org. Uh, what a great, great idea. Again, it's one in a billion that this world needs. And guess who's going to have to originate the other billion? That'll be you guys. Every one of us have some project. Uh, Personally, my project, according to my wife, is me. I am the project of the family. Good stuff, my friends. Remember, we're trying to help you find the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. The show where we give you the tools to live longer, love stronger, and lead the ones you're with. This is the show of the century. Actually, reporting on the marriage of the millennium. A quick update. 13 days and counting. Actually, 12 hours, uh, 12 days, 7 hours. 12 days, 7 hours, 13 minutes, 12, 11, 10 seconds to the wedding of the millennium between Kaylee, Taylor. Is that right? Yes, that is right. Really? Yeah. That's am- I got it right. You did. And James Birdsall. It's going to be, let's just call it a uh, food wagon fest. And you are going to pers- personally... Ensure that it's going to be a night to remember. I will be emceeing the night. That too. Uh, got my tux ready. Fluffing up the 
many layers of fluffery fluffage that goes with every tuxedo shirt. Are you still lobbying for her to change her name to Kaylee the Matt Townsend Show? Yes. Okay. I think if we asked Don, it would be a great branding idea, and I think he would probably pay for it. Well, that's a great idea. So it's like the Burger King wedding. Yeah. It's so that BYU yeah. Radio would But I'm not asking her to tattoo our, it okay. on her body. I'm just saying. No, no, but it would be a legal neat name Put that change. on your driver's license. Yeah. And use it everywhere you go. Kaylee the Matt Townsend Show. Mm-hmm. Wow. Bird's all. If you want to add birds all, you could add it to the end. Okay. If you want. She, it's, it's, a minor, it's a minor. It needs detail. to be hyphenated. But yeah. then, then once again, the Matt Townsend show is going to be bold. It's going to be bigger font uh-huh. size. It'll be a bigger font size. Uh-huh. The Comic Sans. be small. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Simpson lettering? Kind of. Okay. I don't want it too cartoonish. Okay. But we need to run it by Don today. But I mean, what? like Don would say now. We have a show meeting. We have a show meeting yeah. right after. So Don loves ideas that are innovative like that. That's huge, yeah. We could even then eventually name each one of your kids Matt Townsend Show. Bird oh, so, but that would be a problem if each kid was – so it would be Matt the George, Matt Townsend George Show. Foreman named all of his kids yeah. George. It wasn't a problem for George. It was fine. He did it's it. totally fine. So Matt, the Matt Townsend show. Yeah, or like Jimmy, the Matt Townsend show. Birds all. Okay. So is this their middle name or is there a last name? And there's or It's kind of – I would just call it the name. There is no middle or last name. Mm-hmm. It's just the name. It's the name. And then you can just call Matt and everyone shows up and then you sort out which one you want. Yeah, that's it, a great – It makes it easy on it's you. A, it's a great – it's a great idea. Plus, what's great is like when you buy like the hat, the Mickey Mouse ears at, at, at uh, Disneyland – and it says Matt on it. Or em- embroidered towels. Right. You just do it once. One name. You're MTS. done. MTS. B. Wouldn't all the kids like fight over it though? Like that's my towel. It has my name on it. Then the next kid would be like that's actually my towel. It has my name on yeah, it. Yeah. So you'd have to buy four towels. Okay. Or however many. And nobody would know who which towel is theirs. I think the key to all of this is branding and promotion. So I'll be emceeing the night. Uh, we'll probably be doing a live show from the reception. I'll be doing play-by-play at the waffle truck. It's going to be fun. Fun head by all. Uh, you all should have received your invitations by now, right, James? The invitations are arriving momentarily. Well, that that's a weird thing, too, though, that they're getting in different locations. Like we had an invitation that arrived in uh, Montana hmm. before we had one that arrived to her parents. Oh, so, so that's just wrote, that's inappropriate. Yeah, so I don't know what happened there, but so if her parents are listening, just know I've been on the inside the entire time. I know everything that's been going on. I don't know why they haven't talked to you sooner, and I'll apologize in behalf of the party. That's part of the job of being the man of honor. Yeah, the best man. I think we're calling me. So, you're, so you're the best man now. Oh, I've always been the best man. Okay. Did you have another idea? Yeah, I mean, did you have someone else? Well, no, I, I just I, – we hadn't made that explicitly uh, oh, clear, sure. so some things, James, some things don't need to be said. Some things you just know. It's just implicit mm-hmm. that you're the best man. Yeah. And I mean that in the best way possible. Okay. I'm not saying you, all of you aren't also fairly decent people. I'm you're just, just the best. I would, I'm just your best man. Yeah. And – 
That's why – why else do you think I'm giving the toast and the PowerPoint presentation and why do you think I get to dance with your wife? Well, if you're my best man, then you also have to uh, throw a bachelor party for me. Oh, I'd love to. That's uh, another one of the requirements. In fact, we're doing it right after this show. Oh, yeah? You, me, Terry, and Don. That's the bachelor party? He's got <laughs> – The worst bachelor yeah. party ever. You guys, don't make fun of Don. He listens to the show. <laughs> Whatever. But we just know right after. Right after. Be in there and come thirsty. Okay. Because I'm bringing water. Wow. It's going to be off the hook. Yeah. Can't you feel it? The news desk just passed me a note. Oh, boy. We have a news desk. I know. They just upgraded. Okay, cool. The Boston Marathon's today. It is. Is it? If you're interested in watching people run. I can't stand that. They look yeah. so miserable. Yeah. But, I wanted to run until I watched a marathon. Yeah. Then it's like, I'm not doing that. I ran a mile over the weekend. I was done. Hit that yeah. mile mark. Woo. Woo. Get that over with. Get me some Cheetos. <laughs> News came out over the weekend. Norway what? is mm-hmm. planning on shutting down all FM radio in the country beginning in 2017. Why? They're going to upgrade to a new standard called Digital Audio Broadcasting, or DAB. DAB. It broadcasts over the same frequencies. It's just a digital signal rather than an analog signal. It adds more options for more channels, diversity, because you have, you know. See, I mean, I guess you can do that in a smaller country. Yes. That seems like that would tick off a lot of radio owners. I I was reading this. I don't think that would work here. Yeah, they'd be mad. It says over 90% of Americans still listen to um, radio in their car, at least weekly. But more people are choosing to forego analog radio for internet-only services, Mm -hmm. satellite radio, and podcasts. The Matt Townsend Show. So I just found that interesting. They're going to shut it down in 2017. And let's be clear. We are the only show broadcasting the wedding of the millennium. Get it on podcast. To get in shape, yes. You for the wedding for yeah. your 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 cummerbund or whatever yeah. you're going yeah. to wear. Yoga could be an option. Uh, I already do yoga. Okay. Have you every heard of every year? Have you heard of fat yoga? Uh, yeah, I've lived it. A yoga studio in Portland is offering what they call fat yoga. The practice is uh, designed for overweight students who may feel intimidated at a typical yoga class. The classes offer modifications for traditional yoga poses since some people are not able to stretch and bend their bodies as far as others can. But some of the yoga studios geared towards overweight students are apparently turning away potential students for being too skinny. Really? Sorry, Flacco. Which is a form of body discrimination in its own right. Totally. Students who want to take the modified classes due to injuries or who may also feel intimidated in traditional classes, even if they aren't overweight, would be turned away for not being fat enough for the so-called fat yoga. What are we doing? I don't know. (laughs) So you calling me skinny? Are you calling me skinny? So I I guess if you are in the class and lose weight, then you have to leave. Sorry, uh, our work with you is done. Yeah, we have, we've accomplished what we need. Now you can go to another class. You have uh, – uh, that's so sad. Yeah, I know. Why can't we all just go where we want to go? Because people judge. Well, yeah, but that's – they're going to judge anyway. Yeah, so people are trying to solve a problem and cause new problems. Sure. It happens every day. Fat yoga. What is the right amount of exercise? Seven. Seven? Seven exercise units. Two new studies. Trying to discover what is the right amount of exercise to improve health and longevity. One study found that if a person works out moderately, just over an hour a day, 
you will cut your chances of death by 39% over a person who does not exercise at all. Wow. Moderately. The benefits plateaued from there, giving no significant benefits to more work. So the word is moderation. And they're talking about going for a walk. That's what I do every day. Something that gets your heart rate up. So not just strolling, but mm-hmm. actually, you know, put some effort into it and walk and, and walk. get some speed. You know what I like to do? I like to walk and then I like to have an incentive after my walk. One mile walking, one Twinkie. There you go. Two miles walking, two Twinkies. Not sure that makes It's a very simple Twinkie model. Sense, but the other study found that those who spent more than thirty percent of their exercise time in strenuous activity, they gained an extra thirteen percent of reduction in early mortality. Anyone who's physically capable of activity should try to reach at least 150 minutes of physical activity a week and have 20 to 30 minutes of that be vigorous activity and a, and a larger dose for those who are so inclined does not seem to be unsafe. So push, you know, these people that do marathons yeah. and stuff, it probably won't kill them. Okay, check but this there's, out. there's a certain limit to where it's going to be That's beneficial. That's too much. Uh, I have a sister-in-law that does marathons and she ran four miles to the marathon starting gate. Okay. And then ran a marathon. Yeah, that's a little bit dumb. <laughs> then the 26 point whatever. Yeah. To, so yeah. she ran 30 well, something miles. But her goal, by the way, was 32 because she's going to be doing this big race up in Idaho that's a 40 mile race. And of course, the story of the marathon, the guy that ran it, that it's, you know, the first guy ever to run it died. Yeah. After finishing the marathon. Well, I think so, the first guy was in Greece tale. and he did die. I'm sure he's dead. Yeah. Well, no, meaning oh. because of the actual feat of running that long, he yeah. died. Well, feet seems to be the only way to run. Yeah, blisters. Yeah, But I think in the end, it's not worth it. You're going to kill yourself. Apparently, it'll drop 13% off of seven exercise units. Is that right? If I exercise too much, it lowers – it increases no, no, no. my mortality rate what by 13%. Well, it makes you live longer is what they're saying. Oh, You're not it, going to die. That was the whole point. It's not going to kill you. It but, sounds like it's going to kill me. But if you hit a certain point, it's not going to benefit you as much either. I disagree. You only get so much benefit out of the vigorous exercise is what they found in the limited yeah, study. They it's, did. Yeah. yeah. Don't twist it to where no, vigorous no, no. is going to kill it's, you. Just, That's not no, how go, it works. Go do what you got to do. Stress go. yourself. It may, it, it'll be to your benefit. Step, step away. Just go do what you got to do. He's got to leave. When he's gone, I'll say this. Okay, he's gone. He's full of it. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, so just listen to me. I'm the host. Exercise as much as you want. He doesn't know. He doesn't even know I'm talking about it. The only reason we exercise is to sell exercise equipment and tennis shoes. It's a scam. It's a scam from the exercise equipment industry. Trust me. We all know people that ran, 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 and then they die. Here's a little update. Hey, everyone's dying. Every marathoner from the original marathon in Marathon, Greece, I don't know where it was really from, they're all dead. So what did that get them? Just my theory. We're going to take a break, folks. Have you ever had, uh, have you ever been so excited about something? Oh, you were so excited. Oh, woo. And then the next thing you know, uh, let down. You buy a new house, and it's on a busy street. You plan this really big wedding, and some guy shows up and ruins it by hosting a, a big PowerPoint that goes through the entire reception. 
Today we're going to be talking with Diane Barth. She is an LCSW that's going to be teaching us about the ups and downs, how to deal with letdown, managing the ups and downs. That's up next on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, if you've ever started a new job, you know, you loved it. Oh, it was so great. And then a little while later, when you finally got your cubicle location, you started to have a a little dread come over you. Maybe a little bit of your joy just evaporated. Maybe you met that special person, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Next thing you know, they've got some, you know, skeletons in the closet. How do you handle ups and downs of life how do you just cope with being so excited so wow in the moment and then a little bit later meh not so not so into it being let down joining us is our guest diane barth diane is a psychotherapist and psychoanalyst um, from new york city and she uh, has an lcsw i believe from columbia university and graduated as a certified psychoanalyst from the Psychoanalytic Institute of the Postgraduate Center there. She leads a private study groups in New York City and workshops for therapists around her, the country. She's also had many, many articles published uh, through professional journals. And uh, we found her article, I believe it was in um, Psychology Today. So we welcome Diane Barth with us today. How are you, Diane? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. And it's great to to have some help here on the the ups and downs. It's I guess it's normal, right, to be really jazzed about something and then the next minute or you know, the day or two later to have it the carpet come out from under us. Is that a normal thing? Absolutely. I mean, that is that you you just put your finger on the key to the whole issue, which is that it is completely normal. It's the way we're programmed. <clears throat> and we're programmed so, yeah, then I mean, to feel it, right? Is, Chemically, we that's the charge is we're feeling it. Say it again. I well, didn't hear what you I guess said. What, I guess what I'm thinking is what makes it natural is because our body is going to create all this ex, this excitement, this energy, because something new is happening. And is it just sometimes that that energy leaves, those emotions fade? Exactly. Exactly. It's. I mean, it's really, these days we know that, you know, it's neurotransmitters, hormones. It's a, It's your heart beating harder, so your your blood is flowing better. It's it's um, part of doing something new, and and part of the physiological excitement is that our bodies get jazzed. Yeah. And then, as it gets more familiar, and we start to see some of the things that are not quite as wonderful, um, all of those hormones, or or when something is over, all of those hormones and neurotransmitters sort of start to calm down, and the body starts to slow down, and we feel meh. Uh huh. Meh is <laughs> such a good word. It is yeah. like eh. it's um, and what's I think interesting about it that and, and maybe address this for us. This is all a very very natural process, and yet um, what's interesting about it is we we actually expect it to be different. I, I guess as humans, even though it it, it kind of goes this way with everything we do, we keep expecting that we're going to keep that high going. So it's almost yeah. the expectation that's the problem. Yes, I think that's exactly right. I mean, the, there, there are two pieces to what you just said. One is that a lot of us become junkies of, for that high, right? Yeah. We want to feel that again. 
And that's a real problem. So, for example, um, when somebody loves the feeling of falling in love, yeah. and then they have troubles with the sort of more mundane part of being loving or being with somebody over time, because you cannot sustain that, um, that high of falling in love. So some people will fall out of love and then go searching for another person to fall in love with. Ugh. And, and I guess that they call that love. I mean, but that's just you're addicted to highs. Exactly, exactly. It's you're addicted to beginnings. You're addicted to the excitement. You're addicted to the the, the uh, potential and possibilities. Um, and I do. I think that one of the difficulties is that we, um, in our culture, we actually try to protect our children from experiencing disappointment, huh. and the. The truth is that we have to develop the muscles to be able to enjoy the highs and then um, manage and and find pleasure in the sort of more um, level way that life is just on a regular basis. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of love, again, it's it's a matter of... Um, knowing that the high of that initial excitement turns into a deeper and more long-lasting um, love, but that love includes uh, being disappointed in some of the things that somebody somebody has. It's so true, I, and I haven't thought about that. Uh, but as a parent, we could spend a lot of time, you know, even focusing more on just making our child more resilient. You know, more of like a kind of a like a what do they call that? A shock absorber. We, we need to make sure that they have the shock absorber of life because instead of just, you know, bemoaning and being upset that there is a need for a shock absorber. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And one of my favorite psychoanalytic writers is um, a guy named Heinz Kohut. And he talked about that w- children need to experience what he called optimal disappointments. Hmm. So they need experiences throughout childhood of manageable small disappointments that are not overwhelming that don't don't, that they you know not not something terrible that they can't tolerate but for example one of my favorites is is the whole idea of sports when my son was little everybody on on both teams always got prizes yeah they got the trophy (laughs) they got food that's right exactly exactly And fortunately, and because I'm not an athlete, but fortunately my husband and my son both are, and they, and they taught me that really it's much better to learn at a very young age that it's okay to lose, that, you, that you're playing because you like playing this game, and that some people are going to lose and some people are going to win every single game, and it'll be different people. Different you bet. I mean, that's great. That's, that's good sports psychology, but you're saying this is also just good life psychology. Yeah. Exactly. And, and a, I mean, and because again, you're not going to dodge somebody in your life having a cancer scare. You're not going to dodge that. You're not. Right. This is going to happen, and, right. and stuff's going to. You know, you're going to have a bad job. You, you're going to lose a job. Something's going to go down. Um, it's really. It's funny, Diane. It's almost like we run. We try to have our children live a life that's counter to life, right? Like yeah. it's like just. We need to just let life in a little bit. Yeah. Oh no, that's a perfect way to put it. And but we also need to be available to help them manage the the pains yeah. of of being disappointed, of being left out of a party, or being left out by a group of kids, or being um, not getting 
you know, every present that they wanted for a particular holiday or for their birthday or or even not being able to get something that they really want, you know, just in the, yeah. in the scheme of things. Because you're exactly right. Those little disappointments and parents who help a kid manage those little point, disappointments um, help help prepare us for then the big ones and the really painful ones. Mm. Otherwise, we get to those things and we don't have the muscles to deal with them. It's so true, so true. We're, t- we're speaking with Diane Barth. Uh, go to her website, dianebarth.net. We'll take a break, come back. When we come back, we're going to get into some, some tools, some solutions that we can use just in our own lives and even in our in our children's lives to help them and ourselves deal with the ups and the downs. It's a natural part of life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are uh, speaking with Diane Barth from dianebarth.net. She's the author of the book Daydreaming, Unlock the Creative Power of Your Mind. She also, on Psychology Today, wrote an article from wow to meh, eight ways to deal with any letdown. And she's been uh, educating us as an LCSW. She sees it all day long. People, we need to learn to uh, manage the ups and the downs a little bit better. Diane, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Great to have you on. Walk us through some of your advice, some of the things we should do to kind of have, you know, buffer our our own emotional ups and downs. Well, I actually think we need to do with ourselves the same things that you and I were just talking about doing with our kids. So one thing is to know that both the ups and downs are a normal part of life, that we're not going to stop ourselves from having them, and that they're, they don't mean that there's something wrong with us or that there's something wrong with the situation. Hmm. Um, like normalize it. It's part of life. Exactly, exactly. And then, so one thing that a lot of us do is we try to either hold on to the excitement or tamp it down. Um, and both of those can be, you know, they can be adaptive. Sure. But they can also be problematic. Because if we're trying to hold on to excitement when it's really not there anymore, we can start to think that there's something really wrong with the situation instead of saying, yes, this is the next stage. It's so, it's, so maybe make it a state, like a stage. It's Exactly. Uh, turn the lack of excitement into something else. Okay, now we're in exactly. the next stage. That's right. And so then the question is, can I deepen this? Can I broaden it? Can uh-huh. I make it more meaningful? Um, instead of seeing the lack of exci- excitement as just a loss. Right. To really know that there's now there's a space for you to do some other things with it. Well, and what's so funny about that is I, I it's a weird concept because I had really high excitement about something I wasn't informed on. <laughs> I didn't know very much about. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it almost makes sense that it should go down. And then it's almost like, well, now that I'm informed more, I don't yeah. have the excitement. We have this weird belief that... The excitement is more important than the informed. Yes, and you you really put your finger on it there. I mean, that, because a lot of times the excitement has to do with when something's new and we don't know much about it. We don't know no. all the details. That's right. And so we only see the you know the the good and the special. 
That's right. And because it's it, because that's normal, then you don't need to like worry about it. Let's just go take it to the next stage. Exactly. That's exactly. powerful. So yeah. that's kind of how we, we, we create a different view about it. What are some other things we could do? So one of the other things is to, to um, also check into your expectations. So, you know, most of us go into new situations with really unrealistic expectations. <laughs> and um, one of the things that a parent does with a child and that we can all do with ourselves is say to ourselves, you know, I know you're excited. That's great that you're excited. But um, really, do you think this, say we've, we've just fallen in love or we've just got a new job, you think this, this person or this situation is going to be really perfect? Is that even a possibility? Right. You know, just to sort of prepare ourselves for the fact that there will be disappointments. I love that. Is it? Is there? Um, I had a son just run for a class office, uh-huh. and and he the day before the final announcement was going to be made, if he made it or not. My wife was kind of – she was taking him down that road that – I mean there was 25 people that ran. There's a really good chance you won't get it. And <laughs> and, I, and and I'm sitting there thinking, well, you're destroying – give him some hope. I mean give him some hope. So is it yeah. – I guess we have to kind of balance enough but not so much that they, they are not prepared. Exactly. Exactly. And some people really resent it when somebody uh, brings in the sort of preparation. Yeah. Um, because it does, it lets the air out of that incredible balloon of excitement. <laughs> but, you know, it's sometimes it's better to have the air seep out a little slowly. Yeah. Than, uh, or at least to be prepared that it's going to pop. Yeah. Well, it's almost like every, it seems like every parent, as they're trying to explain how hard marriage is, you know, and I mean, yes. you're going to have some surprises. Like one of them I can see is he's not working yet, right? He's not a worker. <laughs> <laughs> and right. immediately it right. turns into this, don't say my husband's a loser. Right. But I, I guess there, let me ask you, Diane, can I, how much can I even open someone's eyes up if they're so inebriated in the chemistry? You, you actually can't. Yeah. But what you can do is say something like, you know, it's wonderful that you're so excited. I mean, I think one of the things yeah, is to not it. try to take the excitement away. Exactly, to celebrate it. But then also say, you know, there probably will be some things that are not all wonderful. And you, when that happens, just know that that's part of life. Mm. But don't say, I mean, and just know that I told you so. Right, exactly. Don't go there. Exactly. Hard it's, not to do that one, but, but it is. <laughs> it's better to try not to. But it's also, yeah. I love the conversation, Diane, because you're just, this is all normal. This is just normal. Yeah. And yet we, and every one of us falls prey to it. Like we keep, we all think that this next Christmas will be different. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not. Give us yeah. another key. What's another thing well, we could watch out for? Christmas is actually one of my favorite ones because so many times we try to recreate the Christmases of our childhood, mm-hmm. either for ourselves or for our children or any holiday. We, we try to recreate it. And the thing that we don't really get as adults is that part of what makes Christmas so, so special for children is that feeling of anticipation, like right. something incredibly magical is going to happen. And as adults, we just, we can't believe in the magic anymore. So, you know, we can be excited about it. I happen to love Christmas decorations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's great. Know, they just, they just mm, stir up some sort of uh, yeah. nice feeling for me. But it's not the same thing as a little kid who's just, who's, who's you know, thinks Santa Claus is going to arrive or whatever is going to happen. 
Um, and and that's, again, I think what's super important is to normalize it, to say, okay, what I'm trying to do is not really possible. I can't recreate what has happened, but I can have something that's special now, hmm. something that's different, something that's meaningful now. And, 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 and like through your kid's eyes, through your child's eyes, or your grandchild's eyes, you can still celebrate it. It's just it may not be yours. That's right. That's right. As long as you don't try to force them to have something <laughs> that they may not be having yeah. because that's important to you. That's so true. Yeah. We, we do. We, we try to live vicariously, don't we? Right. And, and you're right. going to relive exactly. In fact, I'm even going to get you the same pajamas. Right. Exactly. Take that. Right. That's great. Yes. We have about one more minute, Diane. What uh, if you were thinking about the highs and the lows? Um, what's the one thing that you know? The one thing we all need to make sure we're doing to manage that the highs and the lows well, without destroying them. Things. Right? Okay. Yeah. I go ahead. Two things. two things. One is not to take them literally. So okay. So the wonderful feelings are wonderful, but they're not facts. Okay. They're not. They're not permanent. And the same thing with the lows. The lows can be really terrible. You can be really sad, but it's not permanent. Mm. And, and, connect, and it's not fact. It's not, it is the moment. It's the sadness of the letdown, but it's not going to be the rest of your life. I love that. Emotions aren't facts. They're just, it's just information right now about exactly. a thought and what you're feeling about it. Exactly. Right now. And that's right. Exactly. And then, uh, totally on the heels of that, I would say, you know, then start to prepare to move on. Be able to say to yourself, yes, I'm disappointed, and what am I going to do now? Or what's the next thing on the agenda? Or what's the next thing in this experience? So with a job, mm. for example, the, the, the sparkle has left the job. You don't like your cube. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. But what, what, what is there that you weren't seeing, just what you said before, what is there that you weren't seeing before that actually can make it even better? Yeah. And now you're kind of intentionally creating the next stage. Yes. The exactly. next frame. I love exactly. it. I mean, it's it seems like common sense, Diane. Just well, yeah. I think most therapy is common sense. It is. It really is, sense. huh? It's just not. Yeah. It's just we need somebody on the outside that can kind of show us that. Exactly. exactly. Well, you've done a great job doing that for us today, Diane Barth. Uh, thank you so much, and everybody. Well, Matt, thank you. I I just want to say I am very impressed with your show. Oh, so thank I, you. Thank you for having me on. Well, it. I appreciate. It. We really appreciate that. And you just added another fine chapter. Thank another you. fine chapter by Diane Barth. Go check out her website, dianebarth.net, and her book, Daydreaming: Unlocking the Creative Power of Your Mind. We'll take a break. We'll be right back with the guys from BYU Sports Nation up next. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. My favorite song. A little shout-out to the boys at BYU Sports Nation. Two guys working hard every day. Ebony and Ivory. Hey, boys. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. What's up? What's up? Your music collection never ceases to amaze me. Oh, I love that. James picked that one out. Sir Birdsall picked that one out. Hey, um... 
Ebony and Ivory, you know, it's just you two. I'm not even sure how to respond to that. Just, Wait, no, we've got a whole crew of people here. Yeah, We're just two of many. I just think of it like you guys are a piano keyboard. <laughs> and sure, we're different. Some, Clearly, you know, I'm the... Some poke out more. Yeah. Some are just, you know, white and bland. <laughs> but you play them together, guys. We make beautiful music. Yeah, harmony. <laughs> How you doing? After I feel that, like we're not so great. We need to sing Total Africa like uh, Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake right now. You want to? Sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't oh, know all the words. No, right tissue. I'm okay. good, man. Jerem had the best weekend ever. Why? Oh, volleyball was fun. You volleyball. guys work. I was noticing on the Twitter feeds, you work a lot. This is true. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to speak for anyone else, but you guys are underpaid. <laughs> Whatever. No, you, you, well, I don't even know what they pay no, you. You, but. Can speak, you can speak for us. That's fine. But for the hours <laughs> that you work, we're happy to be here. And then I listened to. I think it was Spencer was doing a softball game last week. And I mean, seriously, guess I mean at night I'm just sleeping. Well, you got to get up early because we got to show at four o'clock in the morning. Seven Mountain. Oh, jeez, don't remind me of that. But I'm not. I mean, you guys take it. I mean, through how many games a day a week are you doing? Three. Uh, on average, during the school season, it's probably. It's I probably I do men's volleyball. Three. Spencer does six sports. Man, Spencer's a hog. Well, Jerem's a producer of Canton to Kickoff as well, and he also has responsibilities to train our bright students. That are rising up within BYU broadcasting. I mean, by the way, and let's get real about that because Jerem is a Jerem is um, what do we call him? A prodigy. He is he is living proof of what you can do if you uh, are awesome within if BYU you have, broadcasting as a student and now as a full time employee. Like he he grew up through the system. Yep. Much like our James here. I We've, was drafted by BYU TV and then uh, started in single A ball. Yeah. And then eventually made it to the majors here. It's, but it, but it, it took a while. Spencer was a free agent signing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. By, by the way, let's get to this because um, I needed your I need I need your sports expertise on this one. You, I'm sure you heard about it, but uh, the Eagles have drafted Tim Tebow. Here we go. Well, have well, drafted him. I'm not they signing. Signed sorry, signing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah they, well, they had to actually redraft him because he was <laughs> yeah, gone, yeah, yeah. hanging out kind at of. colleges, yeah, talking. He was, exactly. He uh, but, was out of football. But now, help me understand this. So, so here's their lineup as I understand it. Okay. Mark Sanchez, right? Mm-hmm. Bradford, Barkley, Tebow. Yep, and Tebow and Sanchez were former teammates. Former teammates, and Bradford and Tebow, uh, Heisman Trophy winners. Yes. Crazy. One of those guys won't be there when they actually play a game. I'm going with Bradford. Someone will go somewhere else. They'll they'll either use him as a uh, you know trade bait for the yeah. NFL draft coming up or not. The NFL draft ten days away, by the way. But now, why? You tell me, guys. Why are they bringing in Tebow, who's already been what to two teams? Doesn't seem to have what the teams Listen, want. Chip, Chip Kelly is a coach that is willing to give. Uh, Different things a chance. He's a go. he's a gimmick guy. He comes from the university. This of is yeah. the biggest gimmick. And so for him to go after Tebow, like Tim Tebow was a touchdown machine inside the two yard line. He found success doing that with the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a great passer, but I don't think Chip Kelly has any intention whatsoever of using Tim Tebow's passing arm. 
So he's gonna he's gonna be within the ten yard line. He'll be the play guy. I think he'll be a, he running will back be a distraction or a running back. Oh, he'll or, be a distraction. Yeah, a yeah. wildcat formation guy. Where it's like if he's on the field, defenses are like, oh, are they gonna run it? Are they gonna run it? And maybe he'll do a weird jump pass like he used to do in mm-hmm. Florida. He did it a couple of times in the NFL. He's a gimmick guy that just makes defenses have to kind of hesitate that much more when he comes on the field. I think it's more that Chip Kelly's. He's a religious man, and he likes Tim's prayer in the end zone. I've met Chip before, and I can assure you that it is not because he is a religious man. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not going for the for the faith vote. No, you know I like I actually like Chip Kelly. He hates the media. He's a but, trickster. But because I was acquainted with one of his former teammates who was working in the or one of his uh, former players who was working with me in the media, I was kind of invited inside, into yeah. an inside circle. Mm. And so it was. I I saw Chip in a light that most media don't, but uh, yeah, he he. I, I would okay. Yeah, he's, How about he's not this in one for Tim Tebow's prayer? G- <laughs> g- well, maybe maybe this is God's way of helping Chip. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps. Anyway, okay, that's all I needed to know. Did you know that the the uh, headline in Philadelphia's major newspaper today was Tebow born again? Mm. <laughs> Oh, the symbolism! They're reaching. They are reaching. They're reaching. One one of these days, maybe maybe tomorrow. I don't know. What's we're, we're going to discuss? Who's going to have Who's going to have a better NFL career, Taysom Hill or Tim Tebow? <laughs> yeah, tomorrow is that going to be on your show? That might be. That, that might, might be tomorrow. We might have Tim Tebow on tomorrow. Okay, because okay, here's what I'm asking you guys tomorrow. So you got to prep, and I need Jerem the whole time. I've been wanting to hear your take, but don't answer it. Uh, Brittany McHenry from ESPN. Yes. Oh, yep. Okay. Yep. I just want to hear your take. Okay. So tomorrow, prep for that. Okay. I mean, just I want it because I heard when you had your car towed here at BYU that it you, it got crazy. Anyway, we'll talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> Listen, it happens. It happens. Listen, I when, did when, have a bad experience getting a boot put on my car at my wife's apartment at the time she was my girlfriend. But yeah, I, that was really one, that was one of my lesser moments. No kidding. You well, were given you, a when boot. When you come out of there at twelve oh one, that's what happens, man. That's exactly <laughs> it was, right. You it was the... not. It was nine o'clock. It was nine o'clock. I was just parked in nine o'clock the next in. morning. Sure it oh was. come on! Nine what? o'clock in Hawaii. <laughs> no. Nine o'clock in Hawaii time. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, obey that, the code, man. That went sideways quickly. Hey, what, oh, what's on goodness. your show today? You guys got to go to work. So, a lot of, spo- lot of yeah. sports content today. Okay, yeah. so oh, you're, you're Jerem, starting Jerem talked about the volleyball match. Yeah. The, the atmosphere in the Smithfield House on Saturday night was, I mean, you picked the adjective, it was electric. Magic. So, this weekend I was thinking, man, if, it's I, electric. Could, if, I, if I could invite one friend, that's a great song, by the way. Yeah. If, uh, if I right. could invite one friend or family member or, or a member of BOA Sports Nation to attend one event, it can only be one, mm. in terms of overall experience, atmosphere, event, setting. Noise. Yeah. Which one would I invite them to? Commencement. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. That's this Thursday. My daughter's graduating. This is the most oh. exciting day of my There's life. Isn't <laughs> that right exciting? Now. Oh, we just turned on something else. Hey, uh, <laughs> Get uh, it together. James fell asleep on the board. Anyway, it's okay. He, he was tired. Hey, guys, have a great show. That's going to be a good topic. And, um, you know, just remember, you could be the next Tebow <laughs> if you stay faithful. Born again. Born again. <laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Dr. Matt. Make it great. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Anyway, that was cool. You all right, James? <laughs> Doing great. Yep. <laughs> okay. Anyway, don't worry about it. All right. So here's the deal.
Um, we had a great show. We went through everything. Yeah. We went. We went through political uh, through the political world, all through politics, with our our great guest Joe Cannon. He always walks us through the ins the outs of politics reluctantly. Reluctantly, you have he does to kind of. He doesn't see himself as an insider, but then he tells you all this inside stuff. Well, I mean, and yeah, he just. He knows everything, which is so yeah. crazy. And then we talked with uh, some BYU uh, BYU professor named Mark Colton who built a wheelchair. Or his team built. His team, yeah, in, in their capstone project. You they, stress the fact that he sat there and watched. Yeah, he did sit there and watch. <laughs> That's the benefit of being faculty. He, he took a role. Wonderful project. But it was a project where they um, basically they built a wheelchair for some kids that um, – have some muscular atrophy problems, spinal muscular atrophy, and he's doing everything he can to build a low, a low, low cost, lightweight wheelchair, which is such a cool thing. And uh, they did a uh, normally two thousand to ten thousand dollars. They turned it into about a four hundred and eighty five dollar thing that you can just pull anytime you want. The uh, what's it called? The blueprints off of the website. OpenWheelchair.org, and you can go build a wheelchair for a neighbor child. Uh, up to the age of six, these wheelchairs will fit, and they're adjustable, and they work great. I put a video of the kids using the new wheelchairs on our Twitter page. Did you? How so cool. you can look at that. See, I need to follow our page more. At Dr. Matt Show yes. is the, uh, <gasps> where you go to find that just video, and you just the kids are so happy. That's cool. And and it and it is sort of this this thing where you don't need really need to even explain to the kids what's going on. Just grab the joystick, right? And they start going. He just grabs it and takes off. The kid seems to have fun with that. And so. by the way, you should have seen the looks in their eyes when I asked. So what happened to the kids? What did you see w- with the kids when they got in that chair? And both of them were just like they lit up because these kids, their life, you know, will never be the same. That's cool. And by the way, a twenty-month-old kid can use a chair like no big deal. Yeah. I mean, I guess a twenty-year-old kid scooting around the floor, anyway. My kid could figure that out. Yeah. Your kid was how? What, what age was your child walking? About there. Yeah. Right around that same same age. But then we had a uh, you know the the three wheel little toy bike. He was out running mm-hmm. around the yard with that kind of thing too. So about that age, you start getting some mechanical ability. We whenever so. the first kid, you always want him to walk quickly, right? So you're like getting him to walk as fast as they can. I learned that when I was they, my kids were older, I didn't want them walking early. So every time they'd stand up to walk, like as a baby, we'd just push them back down. You'd knock them down. Yeah. yeah. And it delayed some of their it's growth. A, it's an early life lesson. Yeah. yeah. But man. Yeah. Ah, but they're great just sitting there. <laughs> they're great. They setters. found a lot of ways, <laughs> a lot of ways to get ahead in life. So anyway, that's another little trick you learn on the Matt Townsend Show. I guess not everything is good that we teach here. Hmm. So, some are more of a cautionary tale. Yeah, some's just bad. Parenting. Learn from my my mistakes, yeah, right? Yeah. Totally. Well, um, that's the show, my friends. Remember, we can't do the show without you, uh, and we can't do it without James and Don, who you know do what they can to keep this thing on the air every day. And uh, one other little trick for you, folks: we're here every day, nine to noon Eastern time. So tune on in, or just go find us on podcast. Download the podcast. Share it with the people in your life that need to learn what we're teaching. It's just a fun, healthy, exciting way to live longer, love stronger, and lead your own life where you need it to go. Remember, it's yours to live. Go find the good in the world, and uh, let's start right now. Take care, folks. We'll talk again tomorrow.